0: Hello again, and welcome to a very special episode of A Thousand and One by One, where normally we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. But that's not what we're doing today. We're celebrating... It's our 100th episode. My name is Adam St. John, and my name is Ian Woodington, and and we've we've made it. We are ending season two with our hundredth episode, but that's not actually totally correct. Uh, this is our 101st episode. Uh, if you remember uh, back a ways, we did an episode where we discussed the changes in the book from the last edition to this edition. We didn't uh, we didn't give it a number, uh, so we were like yeah, you know, and and it wasn't really a discussion on film so much. I mean, it it turned into it kind of, but anyways. Um, so this is our real hundredth episode. We are going to, uh, give you lists, talk about the season, things that were new, things that were cool. And maybe, maybe tease a little bit about what you can expect in season three. I'm ready. Uh, let's, let's just, I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is just quickly recap all the episodes from season two. Now, um, Uh, We had what I'm calling some extra episodes. We talked about changes in the book. We did our Oscar predictions and Oscar reactions. We did a Best of 2019 and a Look Ahead into 2020 episode. Uh, We did three ranking episodes. Those were new this season. Those are going to continue. We might tease some of those um, towards the end of the episode. What we did, we ranked David Fincher, Christopher Nolan, and Steven Spielberg in the 2000s. And the films that we covered, I'm just going to rattle them off really quick. You ready? Here we go. Apocalypse Now, Hearts of Darkness, The Naked Gun, The Crying Game, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The Third Man, District 9, Raging Bull, Straw Dogs, Clerks, Yankee Doodle Dandy, Lolita, Aguirre, Wrath of God, Touch of Evil, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Cries and Whispers, Seven, It Happened One Night, Gravity, Audition, Tootsie, Jurassic Park, Bad Day of Black Rock, Breathless, Nashville, The Gleaners and I, Children of a Lesser God, Andre Rublev, Singing in the Rain, The Dark Knight, Peeping Tom, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Within Our Gates, All Quiet on the Western Front, Pinocchio, Sunset Boulevard, The Apartment, Five Easy Pieces, The Elephant goodfellas gladiator and nostalgia for the light
1: and that's what it sounds like when you don't need to press the two times speed on your
0: podcast boom that's that's some nailed it some actor shit right there i guess that's what i got my my master's in was just reading lists yeah. really quick that that was your real motive for getting a master's in dramatic arts <laughs> yeah, right exactly exactly <laughs> um so uh yeah those were those are the movies that we covered reading that list i'm gonna be honest and as i as we've gone through sort of looking through is i kind of forgot that we talked about some of these movies the texas chainsaw just surprised me Both, when you said that for better and for worse um i've just kind of i've kind of forgotten
1: these i don't know why i associated texas chainsaw with season one but i guess it was it was right on the cusp there
0: it had yeah, to yeah pretty been. early in season two um so then here are some here are some things about season two some some facts some things here we go we had guests oh loved our guests it was every great. one of them
1: we had fucking great guests i and will I'm not s- kissing
0: anybody's ass i genuinely enjoyed <laughs> every single guest that we had for sure absolutely and and i think again i i it, we took a shitty situation uh that being COVID. And uh, we had to obviously change how we recorded, but by doing that, we were able to really open up who we could have on the show. And we'd, we kind of talked about it a little bit before, but this really opened up an avenue for having other people on the show.
1: And well, and most importantly, if we're going to listen, we've got to start with the wives. I know that, that both of them were chomping at the bit to come on the show and share their love of film. Uh, Melissa came on and discussed uh, Singing in the Rain on episode number 85, and Liz was on for episode 86, The Dark Knight. Uh, I will confess, I feel bad about Singing in the Rain. I was experiencing like severe back pain all that week. So I was, I'm was i not going to lie, I was pretty hopped up during that episode, but I, it was still a great discussion.
0: I really enjoyed it. Were you in back pain from, like, from normal things, or were you, were you trying to reenact what Donald O'Connor does in the movie? Did you... you? You know that's that's between me and
1: the wall. Okay, that I, who, that won? I didn't... Who, who won? Who won? You were Come on, look at won.
0: the shape <laughs> that I in. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um. Yes. No. Of course. Of course, we can't forget the wives, and I, that was going to come in later with my. What were some of my favorite episodes of the year? Was yeah. going back to back, uh, doing Singing in the Rain and The Dark Knight. Well, they um, they both
1: revealed two really great. I think I think justice was done in both those episodes. Liz got to murder Splain to us and, and, and share true. her love of uh, true crime mm-hmm. and, and procedurals and things like that. And I was very happy that Melissa finally got some retribution for how <laughs> for, I so slanderously treated uh, West Side Story in season one. I think I I don't want to speak for my wife, but I, I I'd say she was pretty happy
0: about yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, it went well. I did really enjoy singing. Singing in the rain is a movie that I reflect on, and I do really. Now enjoy now that it's sat for quite a few months.
0: Yeah, it's it, it it. Well, it's funny. I didn't want to get into this yet, but I as I as I as we get into our top fifteen with some some honorable mentions later in the episode, there are just so many movies that are that are good. And maybe if I would seen them younger, I might find them great. Do you know what I mean? But like, there are so many movies that aren't going to make that list that I really do like. That just because of maybe when I saw them or my 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 relationship to them now, they just don't quite crack into that upper tier, you know? Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I, I I hear you on that one. Um other guests that we had on the show. Um I'm gonna go uh chronologically. I don't have the episode number so you can throw that out there if you want to. Um we had uh Britney Reinholz Hobson. She was on episode 75 audition and she is now
1: our resident uh Japanese horror expert.
0: Yes, yes. Um uh I know and I don't know uh, some like <laughs> here's some here's some real talk happening on the on the episode. Um, I don't know when we're gonna do Old Boy, but I I, fucking I, I know she she'd be a guest on that one, and I just love that movie. I, I just, love this, Old Boy as well. And actually,
1: there's another connection. One of the uh, supporters of our show. Uh, my barber, Ebony, down at uh, Weldon Barber in uh, in Redmond. She's actually, she knows Brittany.
0: Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. It is a small world. It is a very small world. I love it. Um, Right around that episode, we had on uh, Ben Stahl. That was episode 77, Jurassic
1: Park. That yep. was a fun one.
0: It was, and he's actually doing his own kind of thing now. He's doing like a, a vidcast thing on YouTube. Oh, awesome. It's called the Sunday Matinee. I almost said Saturday. or something. It's called the Sunday Matinee, And uh, it's just a film thing. He's doing a bunch of horror shit right now because it is October. Um, And then again, not too far after that, we had uh, uh, who's become a friend of ours, um, whose show that we've been on twice now. Twice each. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, So we had Mike Emelon. Uh, That was episode 79, Bad
1: Day at Black Rock. And that that was a real joy revisiting that well not only just having mike on but getting to revisit that film as well that was that was a real hard one for me i'll spoil it right now that one doesn't make my top 15 it's and that, that was a real bummer yeah, yeah that was
0: that was a hard cut so sorry about that mike and uh again throw, just a shout out to Cinemust. um they haven't been releasing episodes currently but you can obviously find all of their episodes on on all of the platforms there's a great back catalog there um ian you did um your, your first
1: episode was uh, Don't Look Now and The Wicker Man so kind of a British 70s cult horror film and then I also went on for Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels.
0: Yes. And then I was on um, a uh, pulp fiction Memento episode and then also I came back on for In Bruges. No. Oh. Yeah. Your In Bruges one was really solid. I like that one. That was I just that movie is. It's amazing. It just is so good. It's great. Um uh, speaking of of In Bruges and uh and um, McDonough, I'm skipping one here, but it just seemed like too good of a segue to just do that. Um, we had on Alicia Mendez for uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Again, another real
1: joy, an ax- excellent discussion. A little bit of a longer episode, I think we clocked almost an hour and
0: fifty on that one. That, but that was, it close. was
1: It was, it's pretty goddamn good. We did I'm, a pretty I'm good M- of it. McDonough deep dive. Yeah, though. absolutely.
0: That was it. that was well worth it. Um, I skipped over one, but we're coming. Back, I'll come back to it. Brian Kuyper was on our um, Peeping Tom episode. Yeah, that's number eighty-eight. And he seems to be like publishing something. Every week. Yeah. I mean, he is... He's, he's getting a, to be a prolific writer. I,
1: I really enjoyed... Brian, I, if you're listening, really enjoy your stuff, man. Keep on at it. Exactly. We'll be excited to have you back on for another horror film discussion. I know he's a huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, so maybe we'll have to think about doing that
0: one. That'll be a discussion, because Melissa and I are working through those right now. Oh, you are? We have gone one through four, and... I hear
1: three is really good. There seems to be a bit of a cult following for the Dream Warriors. Three
0: is interesting because it actually has actors you'd recognize too. Mm. Yeah. So it's Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And Patricia Arquette is also in it. Yeah. Um, And then our our last two guests that we had this season, and and these last two guests came during our decade by decade celebration of film. We had on um, MJ Sieber. For the Elephant Man, that was number ninety-six. Yes, and he is still doing his Trivia Zoom thing. It's on
1: Facebook. If you search Trivia Zoom, you will you will find it. And um, he's our uh, our resident David Lynch expert. <laughs> exactly. I'm, yes. I'm really excited to have him back on if we do a Razorhead or if we decide that we want to
0: rank all of Lynch. We're, you know, break our fucking minds with yeah, with e- that exactly. Um, and I do I do like that we've sort of we sort of have these resident experts coming up because we also have a resident. <laughs> um, we have now have a resident Russell Crowe expert <laughs> in, in Josh Nielsen. <laughs> And I'm
1: I'm a bit biased. I've been very good friends with Josh since about 2011, and you know we were roomies for a while. And that one, I think that's one of our an episode that probably has the most levity in it of the. Oh sure, yeah. He's he's a got a really wicked dry sense of humor, and so he's like I said, I'm biased. He's welcome back whenever the fuck he wants. I
0: it's as I was editing that episode, it was so funny because he, he, his tone is so, so mellowed and relaxed. And you've got him giving these nice, like, geez, like subtle barbs as we're going through. Then you've got me doing my damn him. Damn that man. I was like, what? This is the most crazy I just, episode. I just, I just want to buck to myself wondering if you were going to slip that back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. That's great. Uh, and those, so those were the guests that we had on this season. Um, anticipate more in season three um maybe some of the same uh some new ones for sure i know we have at least one new guest um yeah we'll tease yeah, that we, yeah, we'll tease, tease yeah, that exactly. later exactly
1: um so yeah a big shout out to all our guests thank you again yeah, for coming on we it, really loved having every it, single one it was one so of
0: you. great to have um uh new views to yeah. bounce ideas off of to break up the dry monotony of just you and me Ugh, woof <laughs> Um, so, um, just a, a quick, so here's a, here's a statistic really quick. Um, so of all the films that we covered this year, Ian and I, or this, yeah, this year, this season, that's what I meant. Um, Ian and I disagreed on 13 films. Um, would you like to say the ones that, um, you don't think should be in the book? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I, uh, I had seven that I replaced that you wouldn't have. Uh, and those are the naked gun, uh, which I replaced with full Monty. I had uh, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita, which I replaced with another Stanley Kubrick film, The Killing. Which,
0: okay, and now that I've seen The Killing. You agree? Yes, absolutely.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, The Killing is fucking yes. perfect. Mwah. Chef yes. Chef kiss. Yes. yes, all of that. Uh, I did replace Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with Hero. Not a bad one. No, not, yeah, I, not a yeah. bad record, or not I'll, a bad switch, I get that. I'll, my... I'll stand by that one. Uh, Audition, I replaced with Cube. Uh, Tootsie, I replaced with Trading Places. Sunset Boulevard I replaced with Barton Fink and the apartment I replaced with the Fortune cookie. Now I am prepared to walk back Sunset Boulevard. Oh, see if anything
0: I, I would hope I would hope that you would walk back the apartment
1: No I, I think I think there's something slightly more iconic about Sunset Boulevard. I think I was I think I was overly harsh to Just, Sunset no,
0: Boulevard. I you know I am willing to admit. The, the error of my way. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. Um, considering that the first one that I didn't want in the book... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a biggie. ...was was Raging Bull. Uh, you replaced that with The Wolf, wolf of Wall Street. Wall Street. Street. Yep, I, which I, I feel fine with, personally. Um, I also took out uh, Straw Dogs. I believe I replaced that with um, uh, Mysterious Skin. Which
1: is a decision I, I really respect. Not enough people have seen that film. That is a monumental joseph yeah. gordon levitt performance
0: it's 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 it is a a tough movie to watch but also kind of in a way a beautiful movie to watch and yeah, Araki doesn't fuck around yeah. I've, uh,
1: within the last couple of years i've also seen white bird in a blizzard which is a, f- a phenomenal movie i, I do great yeah. performances from Shailene woodley and
0: um ava green uh, i'll have to check that out yeah i, 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 I he, think you'll like it he is somebody i have not dealt past mysterious skin so yeah. i okay I'll have turn that out. Um, I also said that Nashville shouldn't be in the book. I replaced that with traffic. Um, Peeping Tom, I said, shouldn't be in the book. I don't remember what I... You replaced that with the Steve McQueen shame. Oh,
1: yeah. I is, don't... Yeah, I, I love shame. I don't... I don't I don't know that I take Peeping Tom
0: out to, to put shame in, but I think shame should be in the book. That is a... Well, that is on you. That is on me. <laughs> uh, and the next two are... Uh, I said that All Quiet on the and Front shouldn't be in the book. I replaced that with wings. I still stand by that. And uh, Pinocchio with Inside Out, I still stand by that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well, understandably. Yeah, and those and it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, and that's I was thinking about this earlier too. Like, you know, the book is called "A Thousand One Movies You Must See Before You Die." These should all, in a way, these all should be good movies, and so replacing them seems kind of crazy. But you know, I do think that our replacements are all well thought, and they're you know they're meant to. Replace whether it's a specific genre or director, whatever you know, there's a reason for what we why we pick what we pick. So. Well,
1: you also had a, a softer replacement as well, so one that you were kind of at odds with. Um, I don't remember specifically the conversation because I didn't have time to go back and listen to the end of the episode, but we were talking about potentially replacing clerks with dogma,
0: yeah. Well, because Kevin Smith's only in the book the one time, and and Clerks does make sense. It, do, it totally does. And I just, again, it's, it's, I don't know, because Clerks came out in that, that total new wave of independent film movement, you know, I mean, it's the he, birth of Indie Darlings. Yeah. It, it's, it's sort of their, you know, Mount Rushmore of like that late eighties, early nineties, you're going to see Tarantino, probably going to see Soderbergh and Kevin Smith will probably be on there too for, for how their films made such an impact at that time and I get that—that's why Clerks is on it. But I know for me, Dogma—I Dogma—I find smarter. I find funnier. And I, it's just—and for obvious reasons, it's a more well-made movie. Well, yeah, it's a—it's a
1: filmmaker who is—he's four films in. He's definitely more comfortable at his at his craft. It's So yeah. you you really feel him come into himself with that. People will probably say Chasing Amy, but I I go back and forth. I have some you know in a 2020 world i kind of have some problems
0: with chasing amy i still i still like chasing amy but but, but and I, the performance I, I affleck him. is not good in that movie he's hitting miss I, and i think affleck's still trying to figure out what who he's going to be yeah as an actor yeah no he you're, you're an-
1: definitely watching an actor figuring himself out which yeah. is uh, i wish he'd done it in a different film
0: that's fair that's fair but i mean um, jason lee is the best he's ever been. He's in great. Chasing Amy. He's great in that. He's fantastic. Um, so then, some some other things uh, with um, with season two is I think we really solidified some bits of the show. Um, and so so uh, one thing we we only started doing towards the latter half of the season was we sort of added more of a banter before our recommends, um, which is great because you know on certain weeks like maybe I'll, I'll only watch some one other thing outside of the movie, but on other weeks especially cause we've been in quarantine. Like I've watched a shitload of things and it's, it's, it's a nice way to like, maybe this isn't, and it's, it's been fun too to like want to discuss a movie that I've seen that maybe I didn't love, but like felt like worthy of bringing it up. Like I did with Tinker, Taylor soldier spy. That's yeah, what absolutely. I remember. Like, yeah. like, I, I, I want to talk about this because am I missing something? And yeah, so- no, it's
1: great to be able to work through some other things that you've been watching outside of the show. And, and selfishly for me, it it kind of, I don't know, I, I haven't really had any feedback from any of our listeners. I don't know if people find that it drags the show. But for me, it's a nice kind of warm up to get me in before we, and it's a nice way to sort of reconnect with you after oh, a week absolutely. before we
0: dive straight into business. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And there and. There are so many podcasts that I, I I listen to or try to keep up with, and and unfortunately, there's a few that I'm I slowly listen to less and less because what 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 started as like a few minutes of banter turns into like 30 before like the show starts, and it's like okay, I get it, I get what we're doing, but but please, I want to get I want to hear the stuff that I I turned like I turned this on for a reason. Can you can you get to that stuff now?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure there's been one or two that we've been slightly more indulgent than others on, and we would definitely appreciate that feedback. If you find the banter is getting too indulgent, please let us us know know. and we'll be happy to to curb
0: some of it. Interesting, if you don't like want to be public, like do it on Twitter or on Facebook, a thousand and one by one at gmail.com. Yeah. We've sent us an email. We've still got that open to you as well. Um so this seems this seems obvious, but we gotta talk a little bit about uh, a certain New York Times film critic uh, by the name of Bosley Crowther.
1: Well, Bosley Crowther. If
0: you if you'd like some biographical I, information, I can't wait. We finally
1: we finally decided. Hey, let's let's give Bosley a couple of minutes. Let's give <laughs> him an actual like. So I don't know how or why. Uh, I the first appearance that I have of Bosley Crowther um, in our in our show is actually back in season one. The earliest that I can find him pawing through all of my notes was actually episode twenty six. Uh, which was Eight and a Half, the uh, Fellini film. I don't know how or why we stumbled on him. I think we just both liked the name and decided to just stick with it. And he's got a certain punch in the way that he writes. He's very, uh, he seems like a man who didn't give a shit. Like he, if he had something, if he if he had an ax to
0: grind, he would grind it. If he wanted to get on a soapbox, he would do well, it. Well, but as somebody somebody who didn't give a shit, but obviously was writing in an era where he had to phrase things in like in a different way, like it's a 40s and 50s way of not giving a shit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's just poetry in the way that he writes. Absolutely. There's a bitter poetry. So he was born Francis Bosley Crowther on uh, July the 13th, 1905 in Maryland. He started actually he was always sounds like he was always going to be a newspaper man. He started as a young man actually creating his own community newspaper when they moved to uh, Winston-Salem called The Evening Star. Uh, he majored in history at Princeton and then, uh, went on to work at the New York Times for $30 a week, initially turning down that offer, but finding that no one else was going to pay him that kind of thing. When you adjust for inflation, that's nearly $600 a week in 2020 money. Um, and then in the 19, in 1933, that's when he started in their theater department covering New York theater. Um, uh, uh, while we're talking New York, uh, cool little piece of trivia that I, I felt, well, I shouldn't say cool. What I, what I should say, I want to be respectful when I do this, but I, I thought it was interesting that his, his grandson unfortunately lost his life. He was a volunteer firefighter during nine 11 and, and gave his life saving 18 people. So oh, wow. there's a, there's a legacy. That of, is,
0: that's a New York family. Yeah, yeah. There's a
1: legacy of heroic, uh, behavior there. And I, I take my hat off to that man. Indeed. Um, So he was, going back to to Bosley, he was the film critic for the New York Times from 1940 to 1967. It was really his review of Bonnie and Clyde that uh, sort of tipped his hand that he was a little bit out of touch with this new wave of cinema, and in fact both the Times and the, um, it was Newsweek as well, went on to sort of refute, uh, to, to sort of try to, to, to patch up the bad review that he left with anyway they fired him in in 68 uh, um, a lot of people said that he could be unpredictable as a film critic like he he loved certain epics like Cleopatra which I know was quite badly reviewed at the time mm-hmm. he also loved Ben Hur but then he would shit on things like Great Escape and Lawrence of Arabia
0: oh yeah wow which, yeah like, I mean I, I, I still haven't seen Great Escape don't don't at me but uh yeah wow. Wow, shitting on yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. That's interesting. That
1: is interesting. But, but the flip side of that is he was uh, he was all about keeping politics out of the movies, which, you know, we try to do as often as we can. Can't always do it, but That's you fair. do what you can. Yep. Uh, but he was outspoken against censorship, and he actually stood up to McCarthy. Ah, oh, nice. So I always have respect for guys that would tell that fuckhead who and what he was. Yep. W- which is a fuckhead. He was a fuckhead. Indeed. Um, but he died unfortunately of heart failure, March the seventh, nineteen eighty one. But uh, that's that's it. That's our sort of tip of the hat to Bosley Crowther. We're going to keep referencing him as often as we can, and oh, I, yeah. I enjoy every time I get the opportunity to to read some of his reviews for an episode that we're doing. I always get a little childishly exactly. giddy.
0: And and as as people might be getting excited for the new um, making of Godfather film that just got announced with Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal, please please also be eagerly awaiting our unauthorized. Bosley Crowther biopic yeah um it's it'll be great whatever yeah. it ends up being yeah <laughs> um okay so I have a few other things um uh I haven't lately it hasn't come up but the the Kansas City film critics have also been uh a group that we have we <laughs> whenever I they pop up we'll list their stuff so the reason for that was well one it was a, a tip
1: of the hat to Liz because Liz is from Casey Mo. originally yes um but it was because we, it was they first appeared for us in episode 60, Straw Dogs, where Straw Dogs didn't have a lot of love awards-wise, that's and so we were trying to pad our awards <laughs> section that's of the right. show. Uh, so Straw Dogs, the only other thing that we could really mention about it, it, was Oscar nominated for Best Director, and that was about... Sorry, it was Oscar nominated for Score. Yeah. It was the Kansas City Film Critics that gave it Best Director. Um, now... Sports and film, again, I try to keep those as separate as possible, but I, I think that I'm about to turn my back on the Kansas City film critics because of what happened in that opening Chiefs game and booing the moment of unity. I'm sorry. Fuck those fans. They're terrible people. And, and by extension, you're, repre- you're poorly representing your city. So being that we are a Seattle-based podcast, I Very think true. maybe we should replace the Kansas City film critics with our own Seattle uh, circle of film critics. Uh, the
0: motion has been heard and the motion is passed. Fantastic! <laughs> Ooh, Great. There it is. I I that was the spring made a fun sound. Yeah, it did. Let's we'll see if that picks up. Um. Okay. Cool. So, uh, and something that, that we've we've sort of had going for a while anyway, um, has been the the me asking Ian the question. Hey, has this film been inducted into the National Film Registry? Um, which which goes back into season one. Yeah. That's, that's one of our favorite things. Um, yes. Uh, I don't have the, the list uh, exactly. Uh, we've done 45 films total that have been. 18 this season uh, are films that have been inducted into the National Film Registry.
1: So we mixed it up a little bit. Not not quite as many as last season. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to do more foreign films, more
0: documentaries. Yeah, ex- that, totally. Um, So there, I have two other things. And one is a, is a recent addition that I, again, sort of like having an open conversation with my co-host here about the show. I would love if... I'm I'm flowing this as an idea. What we did just our in last week when we talked about um Nostalgia for the light, and we both had these like critical blurb things that we had done. I think that we should actually do that for every episode. And I think okay. I think when we get to the should this film be in the book, it should be our blurb and then our answer. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, I, I like that. This is like our, our thesis statement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, in summation, yada, 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 and therefore it should or should not be in the book. I like that because you know what? I usually write one anyway, and then I don't end up using it. And I, it's But it's so funny that you happen to voice yours then because I never do. But I, I, I just like the the visual metaphors they were going for in that movie were just so like in my brain. It's oh, like was I that, had, that was the first episode yeah. that you prepped one for? Yes. I,
1: that's that's funny how that worked out. Yeah. So. I like that. Anyways.
0: Oh, it's it was meant to be then. Oh perfect. Perfect. Uh it's serendipity. Um and this was definitely a season two thing. Do you love lists? I love lists. I love lists. Oh, I love I love
1: Lamp. And we managed to somehow get a reference to Anchorman in every single episode of the show That's now.
0: That's true. And I was thinking too, again, open open discussion with my co host here. I think even like like with something like Nostalgia for the Light again, which didn't didn't make any big lists, like I we still like I think we should Maybe, like, find, you know, top 10 documentary list. Or yeah. Or, I don't know, something... I still... Now that we've got this list thing going, we have to get a list in every episode. Yeah. I mean, if we can directly get the film... Yeah, that be ...in great. the list, yeah, sure. But even if we can't, I think... We gotta get a
1: list. And in my in my notes, the first uh, the first episode that I can find that we introduced that in was episode sixty one, Clerks, where uh, I had two lists, both of which were I thought were pretty interesting. There was the Empire top fifty indie films of all time, which Clerks was ranked number four on, and then there was also Premiere's twenty most overrated list, which it was number six on. Yeah which I thought that was a good little incendiary list. That was a funny list, yeah. It was, which that's, that's also what I'm going for as well. You've mentioned a couple of lists that you like, like Terry Gilliam's. Uh, top ten animated films of all time. Yeah. And, and I liked so I liked our list on Gladiator, the films that make men cry. There yeah, was what also a,
0: what a, that was a list too. There was, there was, that mean, was a weird one. There were some on there that made sense, but. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a weird one. Uh what was the other oh the the, the most uses of the word fuck in yeah, a yeah. movie. So whenever I can I'll try and mix it up a little bit and not just go for the easy AFI or sure. empire list or yeah. whatever. But if I can find something that is uh, sort of
0: alternative and funny, that's, I will go out of my way too. <laughs> so then that, and that's what I had in terms of like new solid things that we've kind of added to our show. Absolutely. So now let, we're going to, we're going to spend a little time talking about, uh, films that we've recommended, uh, in season two. Um, now, uh, Sometimes, you know, we'll we'll watch something that isn't the that isn't the movie that we're talking about. And it's like, oh, fuck, I have to bring this up. Got to talk about it. And there are other times um, when maybe it's just been an off week and I need to recommend. Um, I'm just going to quickly say that uh, it's not that I don't like these movies, but recommending there's something about Mary and Shooter. Uh, you know, the, clearly those weren't great. Film watching weeks for me It was a slow week I really, It was a slow news week Particularly Shooter Is like
1: <laughs> That's not a good movie It's man. not
0: it, it was certainly a fun Like open a bottle of wine movie oh, yeah, yeah But like I can't stand by The artistic merits of Shooter <laughs> Oh man, did that hurt to say, did that hurt to
1: even use the phrase artistic merits well, in relation to that film? I, I,
0: if I'm remembering correctly, that was my recommend on Bad Day at Black Rock, which was such a a weighty and an intelligent discussion that was like, fuck, I just ruined no, this. No, that that was your recommend on Jurassic Park. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are those are two that I as I looked through our my 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 tracking sheet of, of recommends. Those are the two that I don't. You actually
1: had a you had a good one for bad day of Black Rock. You had Tombstone as your. Oh yeah, that's on that right. one. I went Western. Yeah,
0: that's true. there you that's go. That's true. Yeah. Do you have any any that you were like uh? Any of of yours? No, no. Well, sure. <laughs> my, my too. <laughs> Oh, any of mine that I thought were a bit... You're like, no. I stand behind every recommend I have.
1: I, I do actually stand behind <laughs> that's fine. pretty much every one of mine. Um, hang on. Let me just... I've got the... No, got, are you looking at my list
0: to see what you can shit on?
1: No, I've got my tracker. Because we, we, you know, we're nerds. We have... Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, have a, we have a tracker. up. No, I'm actually... You know, I'm going to go holier than thou. <laughs> and say I, I'm going to stand by pretty much all of mine. Except for maybe Joker, which I'm... So fucking cold too, like Joaquin is good in that film, but I think I think the world has ruined that movie for me. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Like now, a uh, uh, pretty much a Oh yeah, exa- actually almost exactly a year later, I could fucking care less
0: about that flick. I still like it, but uh, I understand, but I understand the sentiment to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so then, and I, 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 in terms of uh things that that maybe we've seen that we ha- like recommends that we'd had that we hadn't seen of the other ones. The killing is the one that, oh, yeah. And I, I mentioned it before on other episodes, and I've, I've mentioned it on this episode already. But like that, that movie is great. Yeah. Well, you
1: had you had three that I was like, damn, dude, you knocked it out of the park with these Palm Springs. Was that, one of them. That's the one. I, I don't know any others. I loved Palm Springs, uh, Invisible Man. Oh, and I finally yeah. got the great, Uh Low Tide was actually. Oh, the other that's great. Right. I really I really liked Low Tide a lot. Like, yeah. I really liked that. That brought me back to. Something
0: like Stand By Me, I, and it's funny. I think there's, um, and obviously Stand By Me has more of a um, a reputation for it. But like, it also reminded me a little bit of Mean Creek. Mm. Yeah, perfect. Um, which perfect. like these these it like these adolescent crime films, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but like that's kind of what they are.
1: I actually did. I that's re- funny you bring up Mean Creek. I think I I recommended Mean Creek uh, to go with Elephant in season one. Mean Creek is. Good. Goddamn good movie liz yeah. i know liz had a particularly hard time with that film yeah. and understandably so i mean thematically that is some that's some tough shit to watch oh yeah that is a morally challenging film and i 100 i stand behind that one 100 percent. like seek that film out yeah as soon as possible yeah i i, I know agree. it's available to rent on both uh prime and voodoo because
0: yeah. i i bought it on voodoo there you go there you go um So yeah, and you mentioned Palm Springs. That's one of my that's one of my favorites that I've recommended this season. That still might be, I think, the best film of the year for me so far. It's it's up there for sure. It it was a it's surprising in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just gonna rattle off some of the other ones that I is as much and. Only one of these is, is like an old film. Um, I recommended The Fugitive way back when. Oh, and I, I love you for that. I Can't man. believe it's the not, not in the book. The Fugitive is so good, man. It really, it, it's it. It's and Tommy painful. Lee
1: Jones winning an Academy Award for that film—that's great.
0: I don't care. Ah, uh, God, it's it's just you doctored the samples, didn't you? <laughs> so that you could have <laughs> provasic. <laughs> my, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, my 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 associate, Dr. Richard Campbell. Um, that's so great. It's, that's that's John Mulaney. You got to go watch that. Oh yeah. Um,
1: that's on his uh, comeback kid show. There you go, which is on Netflix. Yeah. Great, well, well, he's a Netflix. I was in the front
0: row for that here in Seattle. Hello. No big deal. Um, so, and then the other three, um, Klaus, which I am so excited. We're getting closer to Christmas again to watch it. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I, I have okay. seen it. Okay. I I probably
1: I'll probably re- rewatch that one. Oh, and there's heart. a couple of big Christmas ones that I've got to finally uh. do. I've never seen uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so that's on my list this year. And uh, I've never seen a Christmas story, so those are two two <laughs> big Christmas classics that I gotta check off my list. That's true. After finally checking off uh, *Scrooged* a couple of years ago, which quick sidebar on Scrooge, that movie so badly wants to be rated R, like that <laughs> that is an R rated movie that is being constrained by a PG-13. Movie. Yeah, and that, very you, true. Oh,
0: it bums me out so hard. Very true. And then the other two, which aren't. It, I mean, they're kind of movies, but they're not. Uh, the Last Dance, which is the, the Bulls documentary, which is now on Netflix. That's on my list for our uh, our little hiatus before season three. Lovely. And um, Hamilton, because yeah. it's me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you had also recommended uh, two films that I love. These are very much Ian movies. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, the oh, Michael yeah.
0: film, and Ronin. Yeah. Fuck, I love Ronan. I know. I love that film, man. I I can't it's it's funny. The movies that I, I know that I've seen like more than five times, that list can be really weird and Ronan is is one of oh, them. That's so good. I know. I know. That what a cast, man. That is you'll very, very rarely do you
1: get I just ambush you
0: with a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. An ensemble so cast like that, man. Yeah. It's Fire good. everybody's firing on all cylinders. Oh, Even big Jonathan time. Price, who's only in it for a few oh, minutes. Oh yeah. He's great. Yeah. So what about you? I got a couple that I would reiterate that I twenty four hour party people, which I recommended to go along with Nashville, another music centric kind of film. God, I love it. It's it's everything that I love about British film, and Steve Coogan just playing the biggest douchebag in the world. I may have said it on that show, and feel free to bleep me if you can uh, on this one. But but one of my favorite things that was ever said about that film is they interviewed uh, Bernard Sumner, who was a member of Joy Division, and then later. Uh, New Order, and they asked him about how he felt it because his he Ian Curtis and, and New Order they're they're very much a, a centerpiece of that film. They asked him how they felt about it. and He went, well, great. It's uh, Tony Wilson, who's the character that uh, Steve Coogan is playing. It's about the biggest cunt in Manchester, played by the second biggest
0: cunt in Manchester. <laughs> Uh, Well, we don't bleep on the show, so we won't. We won't do that. But you know, the
1: the trigger warning. I think we have the parental
0: advisory. We do, right? Like you know, watch the language, or you can cut it. I don't. don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Anyway, twenty-four hour party people. I know that's available to rent on Prime. I absolutely love that film. That's a film that I have shown to anybody who will give me two hours of their time, and that's a statement. That's a. Once, maybe even twice a year for Liz and I. Wow, we'll pop that there one. You there you go. There uh, you go. Stan and Ollie. While we're speaking, Steve Coogan. Absolutely love that. I can't wait to revisit that. That one really like warmed the cockles of my black little hearts. <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler, another yeah, big one. Fuck. I recommend. Be I believe so I recommended good. that on on Peeping, Peeping Tom, Tom with Brian. Yeah. Uh, love Nightcrawler, so fucking good. Yes. I think he has actually seen that now. He was talking about how he hadn't seen. That oh yeah, on yet. our Twitter. Yeah, 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 I saw that. Uh, they shall not grow old was another one I wanted to rehighlight mm-hmm. was uh, the Peter Jackson documentary incredible what they did again, I can't stress that enough. I believe that last I saw it it may not be on there anymore, but I believe it's on HBO That's what I thought uh, I just fell out I watched it on HBO and then I bought it because I'm like this I have to have this because yeah. I know that I'm gonna pop this on. I believe I said that I've never felt a documentary come into my living room before but I was like a part of that experience in this way that I'm finding that. I'm a part of the Herzog ones. I just get sure. sucked into the yeah. world. That's another guy that I've been highlighting over the course of season two. Very is, true, is Werner Herzog. Yep. I expect to. Uh, we'll probably see a on your bottom five, but let's, let's, we'll, let's, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get there when we get there. We'll, we'll deal with that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And <laughs> Dom Hemingway was another one I wanted to.
0: That is. It's so funny. I I was going through um, movies that I've I've downloaded and to to watch, and that's. It's, st- it's still something i i have like ready to, to watch i just haven't done it you i think you're going to be really pleasantly surprised by Dom I, Hemingway. it seems like it's right and cuz i told you too you're not the first person to recommend that movie to me so yeah. i it's I, like it's like that that back to back that mcconaughey had when he came back
1: from the brink of just slipping into all the easy roles that he was taking for the better part of a decade there and when he had that comeback of Killer Joe, Mud, and that little role that he had in Wolf of Wall Street. That is like that. Dom Hemingway is that for Jude Law. Sure. It, the opening of that film is going to knock you for six, man.
0: <laughs> You've mentioned that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is
1: my cock magnificent? Pictures of my cock should be hung in the Louvre. Wars should be fought over it. Men should die for it. That's fucking brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant! Please excuse uh-huh. my terrible, terrible Cockney
0: accent there. Oh, you know, I, I, you know, you're from the the area. I, I buy it. My name is Michael Kine. and not a lot of people know that. It's not though. It's, it's not, not your name.
1: <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> that's a that's a, a ad that goes way way. back. I know, I know, I know. In the way way back machine. All right. Anything else on the recommend there? No. That's I'm. You know, I'm happy that we highlighted some good ones. Anybody who hasn't seen Ronan go. D- deal oh, yeah. with that situation. Yeah. Go Please. see Ronan. Please. Find Please. it. It was on Prime
0: the last time it, I saw. It's so. so good. Put that in your heads. Um, and then, and then the last thing, the last section I have before we get into our our rankings of of different films from this season, we're just sort of uh, a shout out to episodes that stood out from season two. Um, so I'll be real. Any of the ranking episodes, I I loved. I'm really proud of those. Um, particular. I mean. Getting to to, rel- getting to just rewatch all the Fincher films is just a joy anyway. But the Nolan ranking was fun. Yeah. Like, it was such a... Just a treat yeah. to do.
1: Well, and that was the one that I actually did right because I actually watched those outside of The Dark Knight. I actually watched those in chronological order. We did too. Yeah, the yeah. other two I didn't do that for and I kind of regret... I definitely regret not doing Fincher in order. Not that I think that it would have altered my ranking or yeah. anything, but just for my own sense of catharsis to see the evolution of fincher yeah because i was all over the fucking map with that one same with the spielberg one i started with
0: ai and then i jumped right to the end of indiana jones it, it, those but the, it's so funny because i don't I, I think in a way because spielberg was so established before the 2000s i think it, it's almost okay but like yeah, the, those two fincher and nolan are still really you know i mean uh, only one of Nolan's films had even been out before 2000, so we're really wa- you know. St- they're still really kind of honing their craft in a way. Um, but those were those were just a treat to really to really jump into uh, a filmography. I know this is such a weird tangent, but like when I was in grad school, I a, I got a one. One class where we we just studied two playwrights for the entire um, semester, and we almost read everything that these two people had had written. Oh, I love that! And so, yeah, when you can really immerse yourself into somebody's work, I'm by no means an expert on their on those playwrights. Just like I'm no, I'm not an expert on Nolan or Fincher, but like when you can submerge yourself into their stuff for like a short, concentrated period of time, you become mini experts for a while. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and, and and as I said, I love watching an evolution. I love watching somebody stumble and fall and learn their craft and really hone it and it's it really is even though there's later films of of nolan's that i don't respect as much as earlier ones it's still a joy to go through it yeah and do we want to tease maybe who's coming up we've got three that i think we have locked for our, who we want to do in season three.
0: Yeah, we, we can. Well, uh, yes. So, how about this? I, I have a way to tease two okay. without being specific, because I know you you like to tease. You don't like. I to do put, like to you, tease. you don't like to put it all on the line. I don't. So so one thing about the three directors that we've all that we've ranked so far that they have two things in common. They're both they're all white and they're all male. Um, so, so we definitely want to address that. <laughs> so we we are going to be doing a a female director. Four ranking session next year. Who has a father who is a very influential filmmaker? <laughs> you dick. <laughs> that's not. That's not even teasing. Anymore. I know you can. You can cut it. It's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Um, and we're also going to be doing a a foreign director. He is Mexican, and no, it is not Guillermo del Toro. I'll say that. Yeah, because <laughs> because we're not doing that.
1: I and I do. I mean, as much as I love a lot of del Toro's output, I think this guy that we're going to cover is is more consistent and in s- his output. And it's only
0: six films. Yeah. It'll be quality. A, yeah. Yeah. Real exa- quality. Exactly. Yeah. It'll it's gonna be mostly like a ranking of preference, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like that's that one's gonna be even tough. My my lowest and I, there's one I haven't seen, but even the one that right now is maybe the lowest on that list, it's still not a bad movie. Yeah. So yeah, Absolutely. that'll be yeah. And then, I'm not going to lie, what, who, you, you just say the other one, because I forgot who it oh, is. Oh, Alexander Payne. Oh, that's right. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Who
1: I think we had planned on doing towards the end of season two, but got bumped when we decided to do our decade-by-decade decade thing. So Which, Alexander Payne will be coming at you probably probably later towards the end of season three. But
0: also, I guess I didn't, we didn't really specify that we did that. I mean, we have the last 10 weeks, but we, yeah, we did a cool thing to end season two yeah. with our decade-by-decade decade thing. Oh, yeah, was,
1: I'm really proud of that. I love the way we started and ended.
0: Yeah, me too. A couple of guests that we had during it. That mm-hmm. was great. It's a lot of fun. So then, in other, in terms of other favorite episodes, what what stands out to you? I have three that I want to particular. Oh, Andrei Rublev. About. Yeah, that's not one of mine, but I I've I had an absolute blast.
1: Now we didn't do a discovery. Our favorite discoveries. Uh, like we did for our recap for the end of season one, but that would be number one as far as the discoveries with cries and whispers as well. Yeah, cries and Wh- another one. Love that episode. That was a lot of soul searching, a lot of morally ambiguous discussion
0: with that's, that film. That's on my list too. Um, because I think, I think the rankings and then the, some of the ones with the guests they they stand a lot because those were more kind of free willing. You know, we could just kind of we were just kind of going right but the episodes that I have listed that I still want to give a shout out to, or ones where like, I felt like the discussion kind of got deep at times, good or bad, like whatever. Like, um, and cries and whispers was such a, a, what a great discovery! But B, yeah, the, I, I thought that was a great conversation that we had. Yeah, no, I'm again,
1: I'm really. To anybody who's like, hey, where, where should I start? And I love what. Where should I start? And I love foreign film. I would go, yeah. cries and whispers, and Andrei Rublev. Like the Andrei Rublev episode, man. We got we got some deep cuts yeah. on that one. Not yeah. trying to, not trying to, you know, no, no, toot our own horns or anything like that. But I am really proud of that discussion. I, I loved the things that we. Uh, I love the places that we went as far as discussing religion with cries and whispers. I loved the the fact that we delved into, like I said, some really morally ambiguous territory and what it's like to watch someone die. I mean, yeah. it was, it was tough. Yeah. Really, really tough stuff.
0: Um, So that, so of the three that I have, that's one that we both thought should be in the book. I also have one, um, an episode that we did where we both thought it shouldn't be in the book, which was children of a lesser God. Yeah. Um, again, you as brought some as, really great
1: stuff to the table and on that one.
0: I It's so funny because I, again, the discussions that we had uh, and just the, it like, I hate when I don't like a movie and it, I just basically like dump on it with no real, like, no real oomph, no real facts, no real information. But this was, I felt so, like, it's the most comfortable I've ever felt being like, this movie is terrible and let me tell you why. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really like, I, at the end of the day, I was like, fuck, I stand by everything I said in that episode. Yeah. Well, I, re- I
1: don't, I certainly don't hate Children of a Lesser God as much as I hate Quiet Man. But I think, as far as the level of us being consistent and actually having real reasons for not liking this movie, that for me, Children of a Lesser God is the Quiet
0: Man of season two. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, and then, honestly, I, Maybe one of our better episodes because of just our, the butting heads, but Raging Bull yeah. Will, yeah. is is one of my favorites from that's, this season. That's a
1: good one. That's another one that I write. If somebody was like, hey, where would I start with your show? I would definitely throw them into that uh, Raging Bull there. Another one that I would shout out, I loved our Five Easy Pieces discussion. Again, yeah. for, for selfish reasons, because I know that I was too young. The first time I saw Five Easy Pieces, it definitely went over my head. I was definitely not emotionally mature enough to deal with that film, I think, as I said on the show, but it's it's always fun to me when a film evolves and grows with you. No sure. Oh, five yeah. easy pieces one hundred percent. Like I saw myself in that film, I saw a lot of things that made me uncomfortable yeah. in that film and it really God damn, what a Jack Nicholson performance, man. What yeah. a fucking great Nicholson performance. Did it make both of our Rushmores? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I know it did mine. Okay, I think it did mine too. Yeah. 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 yeah I think I had uh I had a lot of his older shit on there. I had um, Easy Rider. No, that was one that we had different. Yeah, that you you didn't have
0: Easy Rider on yours. I probably not. not because probably because he's not a lead in that. I, it's just not as a. I mean the. It sucks because the performance is astounding yeah. in it, but it's not as I like, maybe it's as iconic as some of the other stuff. Right. It's
1: dying. not it's not as a it's not a controlled I feel like there's a, a measure of control with something like One Flew over the Cuckoo's Nest that there's a there's a looseness to Easy Rider That's true, that I but love. I wouldn't this... and, and I'm not shitting on one no, Flew over no, not the not cuckoo's at nest at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because that made my rush more as well. Okay. Are we ready for lists? Adam, do you love lists? I
0: fucking love lists. Yeah. Um so Let's do the worst movies first. We got to get do the, that bottom five. Yes, we got to get them out of the way first. I do have a couple of honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions. Well, Before you do that, I just wanted to give our audience a quick recap. We, we did an aggregate bottom four from last season because ours kind of matched up enough. So just just as a reminder from last season, um, our fourth worst film was The Haunting. The third worst film was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, boy. Uh, second was the Quiet Man, and one was Elephant. Elephant and I was will the... stand by that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, me too. I just, but I, I just wanted to throw those out there. So yes, please. What are your, um, what are your dishonorable mentions? Well, I don't wanna, I don't wanna upset Brittany.
1: Hopefully, this won't dissuade <laughs> her from coming back. But uh, the longer audition sits, the more I'm just like, I'm, I'm very meh about that one. I'm like, it's just, it just didn't do it for me. That's at all. That's fine. And uh, my other dishonorable mention would be Tootsie. I really, really did not like Tootsie.
0: That was the same weekend. That was it our was. same. <laughs> yeah, that, that was back. It was not a good weekend for me. <laughs> so I only have one, and I think you will be proud to know that this was almost five. Raging Bowl is not. I'm glad that it's not on. It your is bottom not five, on my bottom five, but it is five. pretty much number six. It pretty is pretty yeah. much number uh, six. Uh, bummer, man. Yeah. So who do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'd love to go first. What do you okay? Let's go for What's what's five? Number five is yankee doodle dandy uh v- yeah that's probably like seven yeah it's yeah i mean or uh, that's not i mean raging who knows but yeah um it it made the short list yeah. of these. yeah
1: it's it's not a bad here's the thing is it's not a bad cagney performance no it's not in fact he's like a beacon of light in that movie absolutely i saw so i i still love the scene where um the, the woman that he ends up marrying, she comes backstage and she thinks that he's an old man, but he's still performing like a younger yeah. man. And she starts to freak out once all the makeup starts to fall. I like all that. I love his back and forth uh, with the guy outside of uh, the auditorium once he's become very big. And his name is in like seven different places all over the poster. yeah uh, That's yeah. that's all really good stuff. But I, I don't know, man. It just... Not being a musical guy kind of in general like i have i have my core group of like four or five musicals that i love sure and it's going to take a, it's something huge to dislodge any of those and I'm, I'm sort of you mentioned it best when we were talking about les mis a little bit during our russell crowe discussion like yeah. they just they just don't translate well to screen most of them
0: yeah it's tough it's i mean tough. we all saw how well cats went down oh my god i, I don't know why that was even attempted yeah but don't do that yeah well, and it's yeah. The thing about Yankee Doodle Dandy is also it's, in a way, it's it's a it's a jukebox musical, right? It's not one single Cagney or not Cagney Cohan like show, right? It's obviously it's the rise and fall of him and yada yada yada, proud of being American. But and that's that's the other thing, not being American, I, the
1: the patriotism thing really doesn't quite do it for me.
0: Well, and it's 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 you know. It's a sh- it's it's a schmaltzy kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's it's certainly trying to tug at the heartstrings. But that's, you know, that's where a movie like It's a Wonderful Life is going to it's going to do it for me more than something like this. Exactly.
1: And we do have to consider that the movie came out the height of World War II. So I like I Oh yeah, in context, I get it. It just doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah, that's fine. It didn't really work for me either. It was an episode we both we didn't think it should be yeah, in the book.
1: Yeah. So. I felt really meh about that one. I'm surprised we stretched it out as long as it did. Because <laughs> there were moments in that episode I'm fucking grasping at straws, man. That's, that's no worries. No worries. <laughs> so that um, brings us to your number five. My sir.
0: number five is The Gleaners and I. Are we saving it? Gleaners and I is on my list. Okay. It's actually my number
1: four. Oh, great. So there you go. There you go. Gleaners and I. I really, you know, we, we talked a little bit off mic about setting ourselves a goal uh, for season three to not repeat a director, mm-hmm. but there's a couple where I might have to sort of interject and say, I, I really want to do another Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. I really want to do another John Huston. And I, I really, I feel like I was overly harsh to Agnes Varda, and I would really like to try and like backpedal some <laughs> of that if I can for like my own like saving face. Sh- sure. I mean, Gleaners and I is not a good movie. No. At, in any way shape or form but I really want to see one of her narrative features like Cleo 5 to 7 is in the book so I want to see how she is in the same way that I've been exploring Werner Herzog as a documentarian versus a narrative feature filmmaker I want to do kind of do the same with Agnès Varda. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny cuz I don't I don't I mean again I you know I can't have the episode in my head verbatim but like I felt like we kept it very specific to the film yeah, th- th- and, there were obviously things that we loved about it. yes. and and I think when when I say like that the worst parts of the film is when she's in it, I think all I what I mean by that is I, I don't this self-reflective nature of of her parts of it don't necessarily make sense. like like in the sense of gleaning, right of 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 gathering in in the sense of gleaning information, like i I, I can't say that I learned anything new about her through the course of the movie. And, and so whenever it turned to her, I, I didn't I was confused I guess as to why.
1: Yeah, so. And I just I have a problem with indulgence in general, especially in, in the case of a documentary where I'm watching a documentary primarily to learn something or to experience something new to me. And I, I have a problem when I have the same problem with Michael Moore. I don't particularly enjoy when he injects himself into his own films. Now yeah. it's, it's slightly different. He's doing it more in a sarcastic, sort of meta way but yeah
0: well and it's that's different
1: because it's it, almost it's like still, it's he's, still tough
0: he's like trying to draw attention to himself right and, and not good bad whatever you know yeah um
1: but yeah it, so yeah it's it's different indulgences and
0: i ha- i have my problems with both of them yeah for sure for sure so yeah so there you go it's on both our lists so definitely on the bottom bottom of the films that we we watch yep. uh my number four is breathless breathless is uh breathos is on my coming list up, coming yeah, up it's coming up cool so what is your number three my number three is
1: children of a lesser god that is my uh, that's coming up okay that's coming up yeah i well, i went back and forth a lot with we'll my, save it there this so my, my number, number my number three is bringing up baby bring up baby is my number two okay hey, well, man, we're, we're we'll syncing just... up pretty good here i mean a different order but we're syncing up
0: um you know i i started again and i I, I think I, I think I said this on the episode, but like, I, I remember feeling like, do I just not like old comedies? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, because I, I really did yeah, you had a poor reaction to Duck Soup. Think as well. that, that's exactly what uh. I was going to. And I, and I just was I was thinking, is there just something that I don't, I don't know like about old comedies, which isn't the case because a movie that almost made my top 15, which which didn't uh, was it happened one night. And I love that movie. And it's that great. is a comedy. It's yeah. a it's a 1934 comedy. So it's not. I I don't think it's it's that. I just think that this movie. Well,
1: there's there's something genuine about it happened one night that just isn't there in Bringing Up Baby. There's a there's a there's a genuine where whereas their hatred of each other in Bringing Up Baby feels so forced, and she has weird these ulterior motives to. To push him so
0: far to yeah. the edge of hating her that he comes back around to fall in love with her. Well, and it's like maybe okay. This this might actually the three movies we've talked about are a great example because because it happened one night. Feels very. It's it's realism. Yes. And you know it's 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 a very we, these people are real. We're falling down this path. Maybe the circumstances are a bit heightened, but it's art. It's film. That's to be well well, and what they find what's so great and genuine and the thing that i
1: think that i can relate to that couple is the things that draw them apart are the things in the end that bring them together
0: yeah yeah and And there's
1: a catharsis in that that just isn't there with bringing up baby or i'm assuming you're going to talk about children of a lesser god as well though both of those are missing that
0: essential yeah but uh, well the what i was going to say though is so we've got you've got it happened one night on one end one end of the spectrum and you've got duck soup on the other which is farce crazy nonsensical not realistic at all but duck soup didn't make my bottom five of last season or anything because it i get it right no. some of the one-liners are great it's ridiculous yada 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 it just isn't what well, you can't help but whenever groucho
1: is on screen i mean he is clearly the most talented I, well uh, that's that's t- it's, I, it's I don't debatable. know enough but i i hear you. it's debatable but he is definitely i will say he's the most watchable Sure. Of of the four of them, and so whenever he's on screen, you just can't take your fucking eyes off him. He's
0: great. But yeah, bringing a baby is just—it's it, insufferable. I I I don't like the characters. I I mean I I think Kat, Catherine Hepburn and it's Gary Cooper, right? Or Carrie? No. Cary Grant. Is it Cary Grant? Fuck! What an idiot. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, but but Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. Very good actors. I just don't. I, I don't like what they're doing in it. I no. don't like the story. I, well, he's a little more watchable than she is. She well, was you, bordering
1: on unwatchable for me.
0: But it's like, it's one of those things where it's like you. I feel bad for him because all the shit is happening, and yet so much of it. it like he, like it's, it's kind hard. of the
1: same way I felt about Stephen Rhea in uh, the Crying Game. It meant, dude, I feel so bad for you having to act against fucking Forrest Whitaker, who is sure. just swinging for the fences with that
0: accent. <laughs> <laughs> another movie I kind of forgot that we talked about yeah no, yeah, um, yeah I, I this movie is just not good yeah it is just not
1: and good. All, all due respect to Peter Bogdanovich who am I to disagree with a guy like him uh, he's an amazing filmmaker but Bringing Up Baby is one of his favorite films of all time
0: that was my that was my number three my number three was Children of a Lesser God and your number two is Bringing Up Baby correct my number two is Children of a Lesser God yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. The, these, these are the two that I went back and forth on the most. Like I asked myself, which one would I rather rewatch? Like right now, if I have a gun to my head, if I've got to put one on right now, I'm probably going Children of a Lesser God because at least Marley Matlin and, and it, we, we agreed on this during the course of the show because we kept referring to William Hurt like it was his fault. Mm-hmm. He is he is he's good in it. He's good at what he has to do. It's just a shame that his character is a piece of shit. Yes, like an unredeemable fucking
0: douchebag. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I I won't reiterate. I won't reiterate everything I said on that episode. But I'll, I'll, the short version is, I feel like what they what they were trying to say about deaf culture is totally fucked. It's just wrong, pretty much every step of the way. And that again. and I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but like maybe that's just not the movie that I wanted to watch, but I also think it's just just misinformation. It's just kind of... I I loved
1: finding the Siskel and Ebert clip on that where they were so diametrically opposed, and I think I'm on Ebert's side on that one where Siskel was looking at it, these weird rose-tinted glasses. He was comparing it to fucking Casablanca. Like, what?
0: Like, what fucking movie did you watch? I don't know. I don't know, and I... And again, and you know, I, I remember too, because I, I I was more familiar with the play, which of mm. course is what it's based off of, and and thinking, oh yeah, I'm sure this will be, I'm sure this will be good. I hadn't seen it, and also I think it's Tamara Davis who mm. directed it. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh great, good, because again, because we hadn't done a female director, and the, the book is so male centric too. Yes. That's like I was like, cool, this is great. We're getting a movie about deaf culture. We're getting a female director. And then I was like, oh. It's got so much going for it. Yeah. And then I was just yeah. like, oh, no. A couple of great scenes. I think I still will stand
1: by. I think Marley Matlin deserved that Oscar. I think oh. she fucking nails it. Yeah. I thought
0: the scene with uh, Piper Laurie, her mom. Yeah. Uh, oh, my
1: God. god, that so good. That
0: scene is really good. Yeah. And it sucks that like, it like. Why couldn't the whole fucking movie be like that? Yeah, exactly. Because you guys why, had it. It was right there. It's why. Wh- this movie is about her. It's not about William hurt and yet and yet it is in the movie, it's about William hurt's character. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. this is wrong. yeah it's it is. wrong.
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that, and that's all you had to do is all you had to do was show it from her perspective instead of his, and automatically you've got a film that's twice as good as what it was. yeah yeah, ah, it's a shame. So anyway, my number one is breathless
0: yeah, that was my that was my four.
1: yeah, I'm sorry, like I okay, I guess I don't know why I still. Cannot wrap my brain around why this film is touted as <laughs> as being the beginning of a movement when you've got um, you've got Truffaut who already beat him to the punch with with four hundred blows. I know I know that four hundred blows is is spoken about with such reverence as well. But why do the conversations about Breathless supersede the conversations about four hundred blows? Y- y-
0: I think we have to as- well. What I have to assume is that it's the the way the dialogue is given the way that it's it, in a way it's dialogue centric. Yeah. Because 400 blows. whilst I saw it good dialogue. I think is really about watching this. Like I, I, I you, you'll hear this a lot. That acting is just doing, you'll hear that a lot. Like, you know, look at the first eight minutes of there will be blood, right? What gets said, not really anything. It's just what it's watching stuff happen. And I think in a way that's what makes 400 blows unique is, is watching the doing breathless is all about hearing what they're saying. I mean, maybe maybe not for other people, but like And it's garbage dialogue. I think it sucks. It's, it's fucking awful, dialogue. It's not
1: good. Um And I don't and I'm sure there are things that get lost in translation, so we can't put it all down to the writing sure. necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do a better job fucking translating it or something. I don't know what to tell you, but I, I also think that they shot themselves in the foot with you know he was rewriting the script in the same way that Fellini did in in Eight and a Half. He was like, well, we're going to dub it anyway, so now I can change certain things. Well, now you're changing a performance.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so funny, and it's I you know and in a good way. You know, we've covered a lot of um, a lot of f- foreign directors, and and almost all of them. Uh, were were first time watches for me, and it's really interesting, you know, like you know Bergman, Truffaut, Melville, like they're all like over here, and then and then it's like, and oh I, god, I know that we're
1: trying to not do a director again
0: in season three, but I man, I need to do another Melville, I really do. I I based off of my second rewatch of La Samurai, I bought that Melville set because I just like I I do I, fuck man, oh did Criterion do a Melville? No set? no no, it was a uh, Studio Canal. Oh okay nice. yes. Yeah. Yeah, but, but anyway, it's I don't know. You're I, gonna have to send me the link to that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, and it's crazy because again, it's like it's like it's Godard, right? That it's it's Godard, and yeah. and maybe again, maybe if I'd seen this when I was more of an impressionable, you know, I'm I'm 19. Oh, God, f-
1: no, I guarantee you, if we had seen this movie at 17, would
0: have probably would have both fucking loved it. But yeah, for whatever reason, it it's. I don't find the performances that mesmerizing. I think it's so funny. I think I'm just irritated more by children of a lesser God and bringing a baby that it just, that's why it wasn't as high, but clearly just clearly just not what we expected. I mean, it's no. such, such a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. Which was only slightly less of a letdown than my number one, Aguirre yeah. wrath of God. I, I felt this coming. Um, and again, I, I, I can't, I can't state this enough. That in in other things I'd read, uh, kind of like video essays, like things I, things I watch, things I listen to, things that I I sort of absorb that are film related. Aguirre had always been so highly touted in my brain. I mean, one of one of uh, Ebert's R- ten best films ever made, and I was when we decided to do it. I was I was so
1: excited. And I was over the moon to revisit it. And I think I was a little flip-floppy in the episode. I think I was allowing your hatred of it to <laughs> sort of sully my opinion of it. I think I was wanting to try and be accommodating in that episode. And I I will, for the record, state that I do believe that Herzog is a better documentarian than he is a feature filmmaker. And like, you, I will stand by that 100%. You And you would know that. I don't. Yeah. I can't really say that. But I, I do... There is so much in Aguirre that I do really like. A lot of those things, and and pretty much all of those things aren't Kinski. I think Kinski is really the thing that drags that movie
0: down. I I don't like, and here's the thing. I, I know I mentioned, th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in an episode. Like, I think the score is really good. The and cinematography the way, is the way it opens, stunning. I, and the way it opens sets such a, again, the The bar is already set so high yeah. pre-watch. Yeah. And then the music and the and the visuals, I'm like, oh shit, I'm in. I'm in and then like such a crash landing i just i i don't i don't like the characters i don't like the story i didn't buy anything i and then honestly like the cinematography as it got as as we as we went along got worse and worse for me the, the oh, i'll never get over that ending though i i adore the ending of that film
1: ah uh, him alone gone completely mad nothing but monkeys on that raft he's just all he's doing is leading uh, a clan of monkeys into the woods into certain death. Yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Okay, I was I was anticipating this.
0: So there you go. That's that is our bottom five. That's so bottom so five. if and, you want to go down it, or do you have an aggregate? Well I, I, I don't because here's the thing. So I, I Aguirre wouldn't make it just because it wasn't on yours at all, right? So here's the thing: Gleaners and I would ease I would call it our four. That's our fourth. Yeah. But if you average it out. Breathless and Children of a Lesser God and Bringing That Baby all had the same average. Okay. So collectively, those are the three worst films that we talked about. Gun to your head right now. If Breath,
1: I, Breathless is the worst, right?
0: No, Breathless was my
1: four. It was your four. So Ch- you wouldn't. So if I said to you, you have to put one of those three on right now, which one are you putting on? Children of a Lesser God. Yeah, I can. I can gel with that yeah that's the one oh wait 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 wait. what am i watching first no what are you watching no you have to just choose one of the three to watch yeah
0: i'd, I'd probably pick breathless though
1: you'd, you'd go breathless yeah. i would go children of a lesser god no of i can't those three.
0: i can't you can't do it yeah no oh, I, I, to be honest though
1: i do love william hurt i, I don't i don't I, love him in that i film.
0: never want to watch those movies again <laughs> no i'm
1: i'm never gonna watch any of those so, movies again so i <laughs> that, that's just not gonna do it yeah all right, well, so shit. we have we have a deadlock like one, two, and three. or yeah, like... they're kind of all right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, just to run it down real quick, oh, yeah. uh, from five to one, mine were Yankee Doodle Dandy, Gleaners and I, Children of a Lesser God, Bring Up Baby, and Breathless. That is my bottom five.
0: Five to one for me. The Gleaners and I, Breathless, Bringing Up Baby, Children of a Lesser God, and Aguirre, Wrath of God. Now that's just specifically
1: season two. As we move into our top fifteen, our top fifteen is cumulative. This is we're going to be talking about season one and two together. So I will say that if anybody needs to take a break, this is your chance to, if you need to do the show in two parts, this is probably a good point to uh, pause the show and come back to us as we step
0: into our top 15. So let's just quickly, so Ian and I, of course, we've talked about a lot of films that we really like. So without any, without discussion, we're actually going to give you a 20 through 16 each, and then we'll hop into our top 15s. Of course. Okay, so you want me to go first? Please. Okay. So, my 20 through 16. 20 is The Good the Bad and the Ugly. Oh, ho, ho. 19 <laughs> is Singing in the Rain. 18 It's a Wonderful Life. 17 Rashomon. 16 It Happened One Night. Can I cheat? Cuz
1: I forgot that we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw is actually my number 21. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Touch of Evil is my number 20. Rashomon is my number 19. So there we go. We got something in common there with our honorable mentions. Number 18 is Cries and Whispers, which really pains me. Like 18 through 16, really, I did some soul searching here. Deer Hunter is my number 17. And my number 16 is Andre Rubliov.
0: Okay so getting into it now we can we'll discuss and maybe there'll be some some kicking them down the road for conversation my 15 is being there being there did not make my top 50 yeah i you know i can't believe i, th- I had this thought after where we recorded on um uh the apartment how did i not mention how much i love shirley McLean? i
1: like, know even right? more even
0: more because i in the moment it didn't dawn on me that she was in being there now if we did a top 25 being there would be Handily,
1: be I mean, towards the bottom of the top twenty-five, but it would yeah. handily be in my in my top twenty-five. I think there's something
0: about that movie that um, there's an honesty to it, right? Yeah, there's an honesty to it, and I I remember like a matter of life and death, which I it, it may be on your list, I'm not um, like like it it held such a like a certain spot of movies for for a while after I watched it, and then being there just kind of nudged it out, and both still good movies, but like just whatever I think it's it really is. The story and Peter Sellers' performance—it's just such a unique story. And see, a matter of life and death, and being there are probably twenty-three and twenty-four for me. Sure, of what yeah, we've, of what we've covered. There's just uh, there's something about the performances in that movie that are, are so special. And I I'm not going to talk too much about it because it, it did make I want to say it made my top ten in season one as well. Um, but uh, just such a just such a great movie. Just I can't can't
1: say enough. I mean, Peter Sellers fucking nailed, and I still stand by. I wish they had cut the gag reel at the end. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't dig it. I'm not sure why they kept that in. There, I, but... I've, I've never really dug that in movies in general. I think the only one that I've really enjoyed, honestly, as far as showing gag reels during the credits, is probably Liar, Liar.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. So I won't say much. Just, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Blind bought the Criterion, so worth it. And my uh,
1: my in laws, thank you to Sharon and Barry. That was a Christmas gift uh, this past year. They bought me a copy of Being There, so I'm I still have not delved into the extras in that, but I, I'm certainly excited. They're to, good. Uh, They're yeah, good. I'm definitely yeah. excited to to delve into that and learn about a little bit of a little bit more of the making of that film. Yeah. So what is your 15? My 15 was
0: Stalker. Okay. We're gonna save that. All Just right. a little bit. A little my bit. my 14 is La Samurai not on my list. Oh, really? I know. Man. I know. Again, now, that's another one of those
1: contenders for the top twenty five, but I, not quite the fifty.
0: I did I I mentioned I I forget what it was for, but I, I maybe it was our breathless episode. I re I did a, a double feature with that and drive. Yeah. Man, The Samurai is such a fun it, 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 it's like movies finding like niches. It, it that's in the same kind of it's like it's with Ronin, right? It's these yeah. Like not a whole lot of dialogue. You don't know a lot about the characters, but it does matter. It's about performance and atmosphere. Yeah, and and um, uh, Alan Delon is just so great, and and I do I would Melville. I do. I need to just crack that fucking thing open because I I think his style is so cool and fun, and I I just want to see more of the worlds that he creates because I this movie is just
1: uber cool. Yeah, I I know that Winding Refn has compared himself to Friedkin over the years, but I think maybe there's a, there's a bit of Melville in him too. Yeah. You yeah. bringing up drive is a, a yeah. good example <laughs> of
0: that. That's also a good movie. Uh, drive is so fucking good. Um, so yeah, the fact I, that drive is not in the book is a that's, fucking that's shambles. Nuts, that's crazy. Um, But yeah, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the samurai and you like those kind of, if you like drive, if you like Ronin, if you like these, you know, the plot isn't necessarily, What's driving the movie? It's the atmosphere. It's the mood. This is right up your alley. Right well, I, up your alley.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that Studio Canal did a box set of his because I uh, I almost bought *The Samurai* in the last Barnes and Noble Criterion sale. well
0: Samurai* isn't in it. Oh, it's not. Yes. Okay. Well, I, there you
1: go. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to I got to buy both. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is what is your fourteen? My fourteen is *The Third Man*. Didn't make my list. Didn't make your list. Ah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's a. Uh, I know that you enjoy noir, but I, I know that I think I think I enjoy noir more than you do.
0: I will hundred percent agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I had I had touch of evil on my honorable mentions, which you did not. It sounds like uh, touch of evil probably wasn't even in your periphery when you were making your list.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: uh, third man, I don't know, man. It's just the music, the zither music, uh, Joseph Cotton. I think he just plays this lovable fucking doof in it, which (laughs) (laughs) I think he's so good. He's so just that I'm always fascinated by a fish out of water dynamic. I think when uh, Orson Welles comes into the movie is perfect timing. I mean, this really feels like Carol Reed just look at all the colors i know look at what i can pull out of my oh, paint box it I mean, feels like a filmmaker at the absolute height of his craft that can just manipulate you and play with you like you know it's like a, it's like a cat with a mouse before it kills it it's just like hey we're
0: going to have a we're going to have a little bit of psychotic fun before i do you in. that scene in the ferris wheel oh, I mean, so and good. i and i i feel like this movie is more it's more talked about the cinematography and the shadows and how everything moves and and that's that's true. I mean, that's that maybe is the most iconic part of the movie is actually just the way that it's shot, the, the extreme Dutch angles and everything yeah. about it. But and the fact that there's so many of them just completely yeah. unnecessarily. But that that scene in the Ferris wheel between Cotton and Orson Welles. Is really good. Oh, yeah. It's really good. It's well, a fun my, scene to watch. My favorite, my one of my favorite things about the
1: third man isn't even in the film itself. It's Corsese doing a thesis project in film school on the third man, and his professor saying to him, "What? The, why are you wasting your time on that? It's just a film noir." Uh, "Fuck you! It's not <laughs> a film noir. It is the film noir." Thank you very much. <laughs> and I always get excited. I'm being such a Bond fanatic that I am. I always get excited when I see actors who are staples of the bond franchise outside of like bernard lee yeah who was the original m and m for oh my god like 13 of the bond movies yeah uh, i he's got a little role in it as a guy as a british captain or whatever he is who has somehow read these like noir and western novels from the middle of nowhere america like how the fuck would you even find these things i love that little piece of connective tissue that makes absolutely no sense yeah yeah, I mean Joseph Cotton is genuinely good in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as good as Orson Welles is, Cotton is a guy that just keeps up with him beat for beat. Yeah,
0: and talk about and great ending. What I, 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 was, I was just going to say, say, I know. Great, as as far movie as endings. like
1: final shots go. Yeah, mm, yeah, that's good. That's perfect. great. That's not mm-hmm. the only time you'll hear a chef's kiss in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think um, that's I think that's two
0: already. Yep, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, so bringing it back now, my thirteen. You've mentioned is Stalker. Oh, excellent. Yeah. We um, watched it before Andrei Rublev. We watched it with Melissa. Um, did I ask you Melissa's reaction? Yeah, to I, think, I probably no, did. No, yeah. I think I think given my preamble before we watched it, I think she was she was ready for an ambiguous ending, which we've mentioned on the show. She's not a big fan of. Um, you gotta you gotta preface, you gotta set those up for. Well, this one in particular, I was I was making I was asking Melissa, please give up part of your Sunday evening to watch this two and a half hour Russian film. That will leave you with more questions than answers, um, but no, it was great, and I we had a, a fun chat. And then she, I remember afterwards, she asked me, "So, what what was your what was your take on the movie?" And I mentioned my whole thing that maybe he actually went into the room, and and she was like, "Oh, interesting." And I I don't know that I convinced her. I don't I didn't convince you, but I, it's something that as I watched it, even again, I was like, "Fuck, there's there's a reason we're seeing some of this stuff in color now," and I, I don't know, I. Well, you know,
1: you didn't convince me, but it's still a compelling fucking yeah, argument. I I, can't, I just
0: I can't disagree with it. The movie is so uniquely compelling. Also, by the way, I know you haven't seen it, but um Stalker makes a, an appearance in Tenet.
1: Oh, does it doesn't now? Yeah,
0: it does. Interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that makes me a uh, slightly more excited for Tenet.
0: <laughs> Not much. Oh, man. Um but I don't I don't know what else to say about Stalker. It when that hard cut to color is is it's just amazing,
1: and being in the room—that famous shot, being in the room with the little, with those small sand dunes. Yeah. You know, the references to to Christ with the the crown of thorns. Uh, that final shot before we leave the zone with the three of them just laying there exhausted. Yeah, and the the dripping of the water on the soundtrack and water being such a huge part of of Tarkovsky's films. It's just it's visual poetry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That
1: is obviously. I mean, we can't recommend it to everybody, like you said, two and a half hour Russian film. But if you are willing to give up those two and a half hours, you will be rewarded. Just give a give a little bit of yourself, and this film will give it will give it back in spades. And
0: I honestly think, like, I don't, I don't necessarily advocate this, but like, the first time I the last time that I watched it, we watched it in one setting. But the first time I did, I think I took two little breaks. Like, I think I you know used the bathroom, got some water walked or like you know kind of got the blood flowing but like uh, like just know that it like there's one break that happens you know about 45 minutes and that actually is a break in the movie perfect time to just a uh, cool yeah. quick yeah. pause do what you got to do don't let the time deter you i really just don't yeah it's absolutely it's and good.
1: same with andre Rublev.
0: yeah and that one that one is segmented way more yeah that e- that one's easier to yes break up, absolutely there are actually properly chapter stops in yes. this. So that that was my uh my thirteen. What's your
1: thirteen? My thirteen is five easy pieces. It didn't make my list. Interesting. Now we had we had such a great discussion on that one. We did,
0: and and I but like I but I remember at the beginning I was like, I don't know how I like I still think that the the all of the scenes put like the scenes that I like are worthy of the movie being in the book. And I did really like I mean, it. That but, movie does have some lows. I'm not gonna Yeah, and uh, so I'm not gonna sweep
1: those under the rug.
0: I yeah, it's tough. I just ma- I don't know. I, I I don't know. Again, we talked before we recorded. Like on a different day, maybe it makes my 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 list, but it just didn't. But that doesn't negate how powerful some of those scenes are.
1: It's a star making performance, for in, sure. In an era where I mean, there are so many great star making performances. I mean, it's the beginning of the seventies, and it kind of I think it gets it gets overshadowed by one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It gets overshadowed by. Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, or De Niro in Taxi Driver. I mean, when you talk about a, a decade of monumental male performances, there are so many to choose from. It can be easy for five easy pieces to kind of get lost in the noise of it, but the thematic decisions that they make, that that ending, which Jesus is just Christ.
0: a shocker. That, I still will think about that ending and be I like, got, I got, fuck, dude, the hairs, I know the hairs I, on my arm dude, are standing up when I think about it, that fucking ending. It's so harsh and yet you but C- but it earns not- it yeah oh no totally totally it's 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 like a less harsh version of the end of sopranos yeah yeah it just
1: yeah yeah it's a it's an ending that is on par for me with the ending of uh, there will be blood oh sure yeah yeah as far as endings that pack an emotional fucking wallop indeed it's up there man indeed. i love it i mean i could i could lose the i could lose the hitchhiker stuff but yeah oh that's not enough to to, to them and the opening all the stuff with the the oil fields and the yeah. relationship the yeah. way he lords himself over the people around him i mean it is nicholson coming into himself as an actor i couldn't agree which more. is such a, a fucking joy to watch
0: yeah i agree
1: I agree. It's like, uh, it's like De Niro in in Mean Streets. You are sure. watching the birth of the one of the greatest actors
0: of that particular generation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm bummed because I know that my 12 isn't on your list. That you already made allusions to it. My 12 is Cries and Whispers. Great movie. Holy shit! I that
1: that, that really it's a number it's a number 18. If we were to do a top 20, it really took a lot. Like I said, that took some fucking soul searching. That and Andre Rublev leaving them off, yeah. of my fifteen was that was those were hard decisions in a you know first world problem kind exactly. of yeah, like exactly. hard Tough. decisions.
0: Oof, oof. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I what a color palette in that film. I yes, the cinematography gorgeous. The and performances, four great performances. I. I I'm still so bowled over by what those four women do in that movie. They're just so good, and um, that Bergman wrote four great female.
1: You don't yeah. see that yeah. in even most indie films. You don't see four great female
0: performances. You see one or two. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I I bought that Criterion um, Bergman set, and even I I bought it uh, during the Barnes Noble thing, so it was only like 150 bucks. Is still an investment. It is, but there's like 30 films in there, yeah. which is, which is great. But like, I've only seen three Bergman, but like, and, and while I, while I like, um, uh, um, the seven seal, it's worth it alone for persona and this. And, yeah. and, and I, and I know I still haven't seen two of his, like his masterpieces, you know, as it, as it, as it is.
1: Well, wild strawberries is on HBO max as well as the criterion channel. That is very high up my list. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that he made that same year as seventh seal is fucking crazy. Yeah. But I, I don't
0: know, man, this movie is again, very, very, very hard to watch moments, but I, I could not look away. I just so captivated by the story, the cinematography and those four performances. It's just amazing. All right. So what is your number 12?
1: My number 12 is Stand By Me. It didn't make my list. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I don't, you, you didn't see Stand By Me. When was the first time you saw Stand By Me? Young. Oh, you did see it young. Yeah, probably okay. 10, 11. Okay, so at around a little, a little younger than the age that the boys are in the movie. I think I was their age. I think I was the 12 to 13 age range when I saw it, and so it really did. Strike a huge chord with me, and I love that soundtrack. Oh, okay. How I love you not? I love that it's shot you know, not up here, but you know, the next state down a love yeah. it's shot in Oregon. I mean, as far as child performances goes, I mean, it has its it has its lows, but I think its highs are so much higher than the lows are
0: low. Well, but I I think it, it, what I like about it is you know I maybe not exactly what they are doing obviously, but I know what it is to be in the summer. And to be with your friends when you're that young. And it's a mixture of wanting to have an adventure, but also not be bored. And like I, I you know, there's always, you know, everybody's got that eccentric friend and everybody's got kind of the shy one. And it's like there's something so viable and compatible with that movie. And maybe it's just also because I grew up in a small town that it's also like there's just something, yeah, different era, sure, but I don't know. I everything about that, there's a sense of familiarity to it. Yeah. No, I even, I even though
1: it's a movie made in the '80s that's set in the '50s. Yeah, I mean, we, there's still a lot of relatability, and I think that's why, in a way, that movie will be timeless. Yeah, and it's for me, it's also got to do with it's a comfort movie. I could put Stand by Me on any time. Well, and it's under ninety minutes. It is. It's a quick, easy, wham-bam. Thank you, man. Yeah, have a couple of good laughs. Great. Watch. Watch
0: young Kiefer and young, young John Kiefer. That's what I was going to Tear it up as well. And I don't know the name of the actor, but the guy uh, from Total Recall who has the face in his stomach plays yeah. the dad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's also got, we we decided that it's got one of our new favorite, at the end of that
0: episode, we said uh, Cockknocker. Oh, wanna... Cockknocker. Yeah. What a great insult. Yeah. Or Term of Endearment. I don't know. E- either way. You can go however you want. Yeah, Cockknocker. Oh, Will man. You sit still. You're making me fuck up the snake. <laughs> Anyway, I love it. It's great. I do love that movie. It's fucking it's wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. It is. Can't believe it didn't make my list. Yeah. But that's a that, bummer. A testament to the, the movies that we've talked about on the show. And that one, that's a deep
1: cut for me. I mean, that goes back to my childhood. So it's very much rooted in me growing up and my discovery of film and that, that very special period around 12 to like 15 where my love of film was really.
0: Free. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. So there's bias. Yeah, that's, that's, of that's, there that's true there's, with all there's, these. There's, yeah, there's going to yeah, be personal bias from top this. to bottom. Yeah. One of yours that's going to be way high up there is not on my list. It's just, just the way it is. So uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if this will make your list, but here we go. My number 11 is I, Daniel Blake.
1: It didn't. And yeah. again, that's another one that was hard for me to cut. That was number 10 on my original top 10 yeah. of season one.
0: That was It was like number five or six, I think, yeah, on yeah, mine.
1: Yeah. Um, Great. Great. Great as far as like discovery, I know you had seen it, but for me, yeah. as far as like discoveries for season one, oh man, great!
0: And it is powerful. Yeah, it and it's a movie that if you're really longing for plot, you know it's it's not gonna it's not gonna drive you with it. But well, that's Ken Loach. His films aren't about plot; they're yeah. about a people, a time, and a place. the The honesty of that movie, um, the 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 scenes. I forget what the, I forget what her name is. the 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 main actress in that is wonderful just wonderful in the movie um again like maybe it's i get that that list about the movies that make men cry was very specific to like kind of guy movies but god this movie will rip you in half in a in a couple of moments and and also just important for for uh for fiction films to actually make change in the changes that they had over in the healthcare system in england like like just really all around like this movie is it's 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 a simple movie that that has profound effects and I can't, I don't know. I well, watch I it. always enjoy a call for action and that is yeah. absolutely what this film is. I watched that movie a few times in a, like three times in like, I think because I wanted to do it on the pod, like in like six months, it's going to be a long time before I rewatch that movie, but it, it, it holds a very high place in my heart. Yeah. It's, you
1: know, like Stalker, you can't just pop this on. You need to prepare yourself.
0: Yes, yes. Have something, have time afterwards for a chat and then maybe like some some bad comedy show that could just.
1: Which is a good segue into my number 11. It's the same kind of thing. You can't just throw this thing on without preparing yourself and having something to uh, balance it out with. And that is Requiem for a Dream.
0: Uh, we're not going to talk about that movie yet. Excellent. We'll save that. Um, here we go. Top 10s. Top 10. Here we are. Uh, this movie did not start as high as it did. And as the more that I thought about it, the higher this movie got, my number 10 is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That didn't make my list. Really? Didn't. Oh, man. Yeah, tough, tough, tough break. I. It's so funny because it, I think at one point it didn't make my list. And then at one point, I think maybe it was 15. And then I was, so I was looking at the movies like I kind of like whittled it down to. And I, the performances are great. It's got McDonough's, like wonderful writing. And then I think like, it's the extra stuff. It's, it's the stuff that we talked about on the episode. The, the one take that's so great. The, the letters that Woody Harold like Woody Harrelson's voiceover. It's so good. And, and I, I remember being lukewarm initially with this movie. Like I liked it, but I was like, I think it's trying too hard when I saw it in theaters. I think that was my initial thought. And on rewatch, I was like, man, I don't know, but I don't know what I was thinking when I first saw it, but I really dig this movie.
1: Well, three years after the fact, I'm, I'm starting to see certain things on the internet and on film Twitter where people are condemning this movie for allowing it to get, you know, it's allowing talented people to get away with acting shitty and saying terrible, shitty things. Like, we shouldn't we shouldn't care about the Dixon character. You know, the, even the Frances McDormand character, you know, she is despicable. You know, we shouldn't care about these events and we shouldn't care about these people. We shouldn't allow them to get away with the shitty behavior. Yeah. And I, I, I think you're kind of missing the point. We, we aren't allowing them to get away with it. We're just, we're seeing a slice of reality. You're being asked those tough moral questions. Okay, yeah, these aren't good people. Yeah. But then again, not everybody is a shining beacon of light. Well, and it's it's funny you mentioned Dixon, the uh, Sam Rockwell character, because... And this is not me excusing his behavior at all. It is wrong-minded behavior. No, but absolutely. But even, even wrong-minded people can have the best of intentions and they can work to redeem themselves, which I think Dixon does work to try and be and not s- not necessarily a better
0: person but a better cop and see and i yeah because i think that's that's which the, is such a, a clouded subject at the moment of course and i i think you you phrased that really well because i don't i don't think he's redeemed by the end of the movie i think that's i think in a way if if we want to give him the benefit of the doubt he will spend the rest of his life trying hard to not be who he's been now we don't get to see that we don't know if that's going to happen and that's part of the thing about the ending is, is these two people are about to go kill somebody that they don't even know is the perpetrator, but we don't get to see any of that. And I think that's, that that's the, like what happens from that point on, we don't know. And that is up for us to decide. I think, I think
1: a movie like three billboards is so necessary because I think it scares people into asking
0: those questions that they don't like to ask themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then aside of all of that, very, very relevant. The the relevant topics in that movie, you've just got some some dark comedy in there too. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's just... And and we talked about ensembles. My Penelope God. he said baguettes. <laughs> God, the whole scene with John Hawks and Francis McDormand where they're, they're basically trying to shit on the other's date as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. That's great. Yeah, That feels like a
1: genuine... Being a child of divorce. I mean, I haven't seen that specifically, but I've seen you know, exes talk shit about each other. Yeah. That, that's very real to me. If you don't think that's real, well, I'm
0: glad you live the sheltered fucking life that you live. Sure. Yeah. But I, I, again, I, this, this for a while was not even on my list. And the more I thought about it, the more I, and maybe it's, it's also, I, I, I didn't, I don't know how recently it is, but like, I, yeah, it it's, it's high up. I, yeah, even though it doesn't make mine, I
1: respect your decision to put it on there. And yeah. you know, it, again, it took some soul searching for me to to leave it off. It wasn't like it wasn't in contention. It absolutely was. No worries.
0: Was. No worries.
1: You're gonna hate my number ten.
0: Ooh, I can't wait.
1: With all. Oh, it's a gear egg, isn't it? No, it's raging bull. Oh, okay. I, I I love it. I love it. This again, it's a movie that I saw in a very in a very specific time. I was still living in England, you know. And any any kind of movies about. American life in general were fascinating to me. Yeah. Being a kid living in Britain and seeing such a piece of shit put on the pedestal that he was, not outside the ring but certainly in it. Yeah. And the 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 hatred that he has for himself. Again, not excusable in the way that he treats the people around him, but the fact that he can't see past his own hatred for himself. It's also I love when actors challenge themselves to take those shitty roles see and i you can't you can't i'm i would never again the same way in, in three billboards we just talked about we never excuse that behavior that behavior is inexcusable but yeah no no we should explore it and we should figure out what it is that makes these people tick and i love when an actor pushes him or herself all the very way to the edge and you cannot say that that isn't a performance that is on it's a performance on a razor's
0: edge no and I I, I know I, I, I said a lot in that episode about how much I just don't like the characters and, and in a way I think all the characters suck and that's that's also that's me and that's what I think but it was during our Gladiator discussion and I was talking about Master and Commander that I think I thought of something that I, that really helps also with this with his performance in it that I, I think it's it's I think the commitment to the character is all there but I think in terms of what he does. He's in this bubble. Like he's, he's either grumpy or mad. There's no, there's like nothing else. And I get, it would have been nice to see a more we
1: We see him be charming, but we see him be charming in a sleazy way. So it would have been nice to see some genuine,
0: I mean, that
1: movie, humanity
0: to it. The, the the cinematic quality of the movie is all there. We talked about that during the episode. Oh god, the
1: cinematography, the Michael way, Ballhouse's cinematography yeah. and the innovative ways in which they shot the boxing scenes. Sometimes they had a steady cam operator on roller skates. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, all that is there.
0: It just you know, I think this is in a real way this has been a season of me being able to say like whether I'd had like I hadn't seen it like breathless or 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 things that i had seen that i'm like you know what i i think in my mind i liked it more because i was supposed to when i first saw it and this was just one of them it just yeah. didn't it just didn't leave no, that I, mark on and me. i and i get that i can be kind of taxing a movie that everybody tells you
1: that as a quote-unquote cinephile you should love yeah, yeah that's for, like our with breathless yeah yeah no i don't have to love breathless and i'm not telling you you should have to love raging bull
0: I would like you to revisit it at some point and oh, I'm, to really focus sure in on what De Niro does in that film. And I gotta say, that's, I mean, it's so weird to be so, like, to, to, to see it on screen, like, what he's doing, but also, not care isn't the right word, but, like, be, not, not, not. I wish that I wish his performance could could somehow make me like the movie more. I don't yeah. know. It's so weird. And it that's just sits in for a weird... me.
1: That's the success of it is. Can you find something redeemable about this character? Yeah. And feeling feeling nothing about him would be a loss. But whether you love him or hate him, that's either way, it's a win because you felt he's made you feel something. Yeah, and I, and I think it is
0: a win because he did. He made you feel well, genuine and, hatred. And again, I wonder. I, I want to say maybe I mentioned this in the episode, but there's a movie called Blue Sky. Jessica Lange won an Oscar for it in '94. I hate her in the movie. I fucking hate her. But then I was the next day. I thought, wait, no, you don't hate her. Well, no, but but also like, was that the point? Did she yeah. was she so yeah. good at what she was doing that that that's yeah yeah I hear you. I hear you. Um, okay, my number nine is the matrix matrix does not make my list. I didn't think it didn't make your 10 before. And I'm it not, yeah. and
1: I will, I won't say much more. It, it, it just, it's such a part of the social zeitgeist. And now that we have a fourth one coming, which fucking why? I don't know. I'm not really
0: excited about it. I now, honestly, I don't care less. I, I just, the, the first one is still so cool. So witty, so fun. And yet, and it not, it's not just, a quote unquote mindless action movie. I, I think it's really trying to say things about the world and yet do these really kick ass fight scenes. I don't know. It, it's again, I, I'm looking at my list and what I haven't mentioned yet, and a lot of what's on this list are movies I watched in a very specific time frame. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, well, and you can't
1: separate that yeah. where you were and who you were at the time makes up. A viewing experience in either films like five easy pieces that i mentioned either it'll grow and evolve with you or or it won't and it'll get left by the wayside my hope is that films will change with me oh
0: sure yeah 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 yeah. i agree i agree uh, so i'm not gonna say more if you haven't seen the matrix i don't know where you've been the last few years but yeah. it's great and it's a fun episode go check it out oh yeah totally totally okay so what is what is your number nine my number nine is gladiator
1: and my number 10, nine, and eight, uh, these were, these flip flopped a lot.
0: We'll, uh, we'll save the gladiator. Save the gladiator. Yeah. Uh, my number eight, which I think maybe we'll be saving the conversation for, is Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, but not for much longer. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so what is your number eight? My number eight is Alien. I got two Ridley Scott's back to back.
1: Alien with is not Alien. on my list. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. It's a, it's it's a, a very a, niche.
0: But it, it, that's another film that just came so late in my viewing experience. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, you didn't see that. I,
1: again, I saw Alien about 13, where I was on this huge kick of watching, you know, probably movies I shouldn't have been watching at 13. You know, stuff like Texas Chainsaw, the original <laughs> Halloween, uh, Alien, you know, these these big, iconic horror I think films.
0: I, I think I told you, but I, the first time
1: I saw Alien was for our podcast. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, but see Alien. If you haven't seen Alien at this point, I mean, you're missing one of the most influential films ever made. Absolutely. Beautiful production design. I cannot stress enough. H.R. Geeger, What a fucking mind. Yeah. What a mind. And performances. Seven great performances. Eight great performances. Excuse me, I should also include the, the fellow that played the Xenomorph as well. Yeah. Uh, stunning film. Yeah, and it, set, it is. It set the template for
0: everything that followed it. And as far as episodes go and, and like, and and I mean, you know, I'm sure everything we've talked about, there's a great behind the scenes stuff or whatever, but like a great movie to talk about just the making of too. Yeah. For just... Not just, not just, you know, the making of and what Ridley wanted to do and, and everything with Giger and just like the shit on set with people trying to avoid Ridley Scott on, but like, I still I still get a kick out of going like, and fuck Dan O'Bannon, because yeah. fuck Dan O'Bannon. Just fuck Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. And I would say, I hate, I'm trying to
1: move away from that attitude of, oh, if you're a real serious cinephile blah 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 fill in the blanks but seriously I mean if you are a fan of cinema that quadrilogy box set should be on your shelf oh sure yeah yeah I mean it, it is a film school in a box set.
0: Yeah you you might not want to watch the last one but oh fuck resurrection <laughs> fuck that movie it's, fuck it's that movie good. and it's fucking here. it's really not good. Uh okay so my number seven is North by Northwest. Didn't make my list. You suck. I know. You suck um, yeah, man, I, I remember, I just, I just, you know, Vertigo was so high up on my, oh, my no. Hitchcock
1: and list. North by Northwest is the better movie it, out it, of those two. It is now. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I do think, I, I think we addressed it. Vertigo is definitely, I think the reevaluation that happened to Vertigo was really skewed, I think very, very high. Yeah. So a movie that, don't get me wrong, I mean, it is an artist at the height of his powers, but it's just, it's not as engaging as North by Northwest.
0: Well, and I just, I remember, you know, I have that that velvet box set that Melissa got me back yeah. in college, yeah. uh, the,
1: the, of the Great. DVDs. Great set, the Masterpiece collection yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And we watched, I, I want to say for like two or three weeks, like pretty much consecutively, we watched all of the movies in there. And I remember at the end of that, at the end of watching Vertigo was my favorite Hitchcock film because- the only Hitchcock Hitchcock films I had seen were the ones in that set. Hadn't seen North by Northwest until again right before we did the pod, and I, I I want to think that I would have picked this one out of the box set at the time. But it's it's such a thrilling, fun movie. With great set pieces, great performances. The the double entendre conversation in the train is just magnificent. Oh, and the, that final
1: shot, which is a big fuck you to the censors, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just so great. It's a great James Mason
1: performance.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, great. Um, Ava at, Marie Say. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, but um, Martin Landau is yeah. also great in yeah. it. Yeah. His just, little role. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Fuck. Yeah. The it's, scene at the auction. Yes. Yeah, all of it. It's yeah. I I don't know what to say. It's it's great. It's it's kind of a crazy premise, but you, if you follow it down the rabbit hole, it's just it's wonderful. It's a yeah. fun fun film. I mean, it is. It is James Bond before there was James Bond. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Fish out of water,
1: James yeah, Bond. I mean, if you if you consider yourself a James Bond fan, then this is something that you do need to see and acknowledge.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, so what is your number seven?
1: My number seven is Dr. Strangelove. Okay. we yeah. will tell you that as we go forward, my top 10 from season one has been realigned slightly because this was number one. It was. On my top 10 of the previous season. So I mean it's great. Yeah. I mean it's it's again it's a man as a filmmaker it's kubrick coming into himself as as far as a filmmaker goes and the the playfulness. I mean there is playfulness throughout the rest of his filmography you have to look for it a yeah, little harder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely a, a more bleak playfulness yeah. at times. Yes. But yes, I I agree. I agree. George
1: my my love and reverence for George C Scott over the last couple of years is just because is growing exponentially. I just watched uh, the hospital. I with, need to see that. It's on prime right now okay. with him and Diana Rigg, who yeah. unfortunately passed away very recently. A yep. lot of people know her from game of Thrones, but what I know her from is playing Tracy bond. Uh, the woman that bond marries towards the end of honor, majesty secret service. and the last uh, again i know i'm not (laughs) trying not to spoil anything for you in the james bond series because i know that you haven't gone through it yet but it's the last james bond film that was really faithful to the source material okay all right as far as you know from end to end the novel is concerned sure uh but fuck man dr Strangelove. the one-liners in that thing are relentless (sighs) it's so i mean not in the rapid fire way of say the marx brothers no no but still in a in a biting piercing kind of way
0: i i think it it's funny i these are these are so out of order now but we've actually covered a lot of um peter sellers on the show yeah and
1: man L- what Lolita a talent being there talks and the fact that he played jesus christ three people and it was supposed to play four yeah
0: yeah i i mean i get that that he was maybe a bit hard to to handle oh he was a prick in but, his personal life but Oh man, he's so good in in those movies. He's so good in this. If if and when we do a Kubrick ranking, I'm, I'm gonna have to pull my hair out. Yeah, it's, it's it's gonna be fucking
1: tough. I've I've tried just as a as a thing to kill time, and it's just it becomes <laughs> not fun after a while.
0: That's fair. That is absolutely yeah. fair. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have to say, man. It's fucking great. It's a great movie and a great Criterion release too. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't I don't have from, it but like I, even from the packaging. Yeah. That's fuck that. De- double dip cuz I know you've got a Kubera box, but double dip right, for the yeah, Criterion. All right. All
0: right. Um uh bringing it back to 6, which is something that you mentioned earlier that I told you to hold off on. That's Requiem for a Dream. Fantastic. Cannot
1: wait for the 4K of that I know. That's coming. know.
0: Yeah, that's coming out before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um I get like similar to I Daniel Blake, a movie that will hopefully change your opinion on things. Um, I still stand, but I think this is a movie that every like incoming senior in high school should have to watch, as dark as that is. Absolutely. Watch this fucking movie. Second. Absolutely seconded. And and then once you can get past the... I, and I don't think it's... It's not even a message movie. I don't think that's why it was made at all. But it's there. It's certainly there. And then once you get... Like, now just put that to the side. Aronofsky's direction, Lebatique's cinematography, and just the four stellar performances in that movie. Every one of them.
1: Motherfucker. It's it's they they one up each other and then they one up each other again, and then just all
0: the way to the end of the movie. I how that movie didn't become the first film to sweep all four acting categories at the Oscars is is just nuts. Yeah. And a very yeah. strong case. I mean, obviously, we're twenty years. Do after you go? The fact, but...
1: You go bursting. Would you go bursting lead and Connolly supporting? Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's
1: yeah. Because she was nominated for supporting, wasn't no, she? No, no, she was nominated for lead. Oh, she was. She lost okay. to, to Julia Roberts. Oh okay, for yeah, Roberts, that's
0: right. Yeah. For yeah,
1: well, I think we discussed that at length. Probably if you go back to the episode two. Yeah, all yeah. the way we back. Dis-
0: we disagree with that choice yeah uh <laughs> handily yes and the
1: score and the cinematography I oh my
0: god it, that score
1: it doesn't feel i think I, I believe i said this on the show it doesn't feel like a second movie no the, the, not at all the confidence the precision yeah goes beyond somebody who's making their second film like tarantino with pulp fiction yeah. like ridley scott with alien it transcends what you would expect from a sophomoric
0: yep effort yep couldn't agree more couldn't agree more. You were gonna fucking hate my number six. Apocalypse now. Okay, again, you you do this. You do this. I don't hate Apocalypse Now. Y- it, you were contentious on that episode, sir. I, I was, but I don't hate it. <laughs> I like it more than the deer hunter. Well, yeah. But and even then I don't hate the deer hunter. We've had that conversation yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um Apocalypse Now is is
1: were you being deliberately
0: combative? No, no. No? Not at all. No. You sure? Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely, I, I, it's this, like Apocalypse Now falls t- for me in that same, in the same realm of like, um, of like The Third Man or Five Easy Pieces or something like, like movies. Well, no, that's not true. I, I like Five Easy Pieces more, but like movies that I certainly enjoyed watching, but
1: Am I right in saying its place in history may be more important than, this, than the film itself?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And it does. And, I, and when, like, if I hear that somebody's, you know, some director's favorite film is Apocalypse Now. Oh, it's Danny Boyle's favorite film. Well, there you go. It's like, one of Gary Oldman's favorite films. I'm not films. surprised by that at all. Yeah. Um, I just don't have as many fond things to say about it
1: it's not an easy watch any of the three versions that you choose to watch none of yeah. them are going to be easy but again rewarding yeah if
0: you give yourself over to it i know that we discussed this on the episode um, that cuz we did, we did double feature that with hearts of darkness and how that that shouldn't be in the book but that like if you want to know the story behind it like it's it's certainly, fascinating yeah, stuff yeah like i mean
1: real i mean as hard to watch as apocalypse now is if not more so the personal journey that you go on with with the Coppola's is rough. Yeah, for sure. To say the least.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I I don't have much to...
1: Yeah, I know. I I won't drone on about it. We did a huge episode. Please go back. Two-parter. Two-parter. Go back and revisit that if you're so inclined or hear it for the first time if you're hearing us talk about it now for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Top five.
0: Ash, yep. Yep. Here we are. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my five won't be on your list. Do it. Pretty sure. It's Back to the Future. It is not. Now... If we had been
1: doing this like 10 years ago, probably. <laughs> I still... And it's not to say that I've fallen out of love with Back to the Future. Back to the Future is such an important part of my childhood. And
0: I, it's so funny. The way that you were talking about Stand By Me, I think is the way that I, I that have Back to the Future. 100% accurate. Um, it's... I, I th- maybe I mentioned this on the episode, but like, and thank God, I, I, we're in a house now, so hopefully I won't ever have to move, at least for a very long time. But like, Back to the Future for me was always the unpacking movie. Get the TV set up and turn it on because I don't have to actively watch it. Like I can I can hear it and know exactly what's going on. I've seen this movie more times than I can count. I it's fun, the performances are good, the score is great. I mean, and Huey Lewis, come on, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? That's the power of
1: love. Ooh, you spiked the levels on that one.
0: Probably, sir. probably, I probably did.
1: But yeah, I get, I get that. It's definitely I, Liz and I have lived in three apartments now, and we packed up our first apartment with Back to the Future on in the background. There you it's go. Just an, just an easy, yeah, easy living kind of movie. Pop it on, enjoy. Christopher Lloyd being his fucking crazy, lovable self. It's... Crispin Glover swinging for it. Oh, big time. Yeah, I still stand by. I think Crispin Glover is the, is the best performance in that. You are just wrong. I don't care.
0: You are. Wrong. I'm gonna die on that. The fucking definition hill. of wrong. I know. Example: Ian Woodington's take on Crispin Glover and Back to the Future. Yeah. That's that's don't in care. the fucking dictionary. Don't give a fuck. Well, that's good. That's fine. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. I that was that was my number one from season one. Yeah. Uh, it, it just holds such a strong place in my heart. I don't know if anything. I mean. I, obviously, I like other movies more, but it's its opinion. I don't think will ever be nudged from my brain.
1: Well, my my number five from uh, on this list was my number three on our previous ranking list of the, the top ten of uh, the first season. My number five again, I probably know won't be on yours. Is Life of Brian?
0: Yeah, it, it's it's not, but
1: get no, no lack of respect for that movie. Oh, fuck, I listen to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life on the way over here. <laughs> That's and great. I just, again, won't drone on about it. I'm very, very proud of that episode. Please go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. Uh, but this is a film that transcends its genre because it is so bitingly true and fierce and funny and in in parts depressing because of you know where we're at as far as the way that religion is is used as a tool yeah as a method of control
0: and again another great making of all the stuff with making of and also the aftermath you know the story about the two python members going on that show and trying to debate it i you know just pissing in the wind yeah we're
1: never gonna win that debate yeah which is a shame i mean and talk about i love films I love controversy. I, I, what's great to me is like, great. Now that people hate it, you never have to pay a nickel for advertising. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll do it for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. And Palin, I think we said that Palin is, is the hero of that film. Every role he plays, whether it's the guy that they finally turned the right way up in the jail cell, you know, the, the ex leper
0: alms for an ex leper. Ex leper stuff is great. Oh, it's amazing.
1: You know, his, uh, his Pontius pilot. Incredible. <laughs> He has a wife, you know. You know what she's called? Incontinentia. Incontinentia buttocks. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Biggest dickus? Anybody else feel like a little ticker when I say the name Biggest Dickus? Oh, God. Those guys. That's good. It's funny. It's worth it just for that fucking... It's worth it for so many of the scenes but that one specifically it's yeah it's it's great
0: it's funny it's and and also yeah and, I it's mean, another
1: breeze another 90 minute
0: watch. Yeah, not long at all yeah. yeah i i i wonder if i i would love it if criterion would upgrade it to a better yeah a that'd be nice yeah um oh, okay your god i'm just looking at my top four and i, I love all these movies my number four is good we'll save that okay what's your number four my number four is easy rider Didn't make my list. That doesn't surprise me. But again, you know
1: I like that movie. It's a good movie. Yes. Fucking great movie. And that Criterion, holy It looks so good. And I got to share it. uh, Josh and his fiance Amy, had never seen it. So I took it over to theirs one night. Nice. And I got to... I wasn't watching the movie. I was watching them watching the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Which is one of my favorite things ever. to to live through them vicariously because that, in the very long list of films where I wish I could have my first watch back, Easy Rider is very, very near the top. Interesting. I I want that first watch back. Yeah. Again, it's another movie I saw 13 years old. I'm living in Britain. You know, America, even though I'd been to the country previously, it's, you know, this this idea of these huge stories, this road movie, the the cinematography. Fucking incredible. Yeah. I... And the soundtrack, like, I hear the songs outside of the film, and it transports
0: me into it. I, I mean, it's funny, because I I remember, I can remember in the episode, like, saying that the movie was starting to kind of waver at times, and then Jack Nicholson oh, yeah, comes no, in. You, and, can,
1: you could lose half of the commune. I, I respectfully
0: acknowledge that. Yeah. But everything, I mean, I think everything from Jack Nicholson coming into the movie to the end is gold. Yeah. It's really
1: good. Yeah. All i mean the, just fucking the handheld uh 16 millimeter fucking uh new orleans stuff his conversation about venusians you know living among us and yeah. and the, the hidden bra- hidden breaking character in the weed scene because they were actually smoking weed yeah, yeah. And, and again another talk about fucking endings man yeah rips your heart out well, and it's the birth of a new wave of cinema. Yeah, we talk about that beautiful period from Easy Rider. There's a reason why Easy Rider and Raging Bull are on my top ten.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, my number three was just a bit higher up on your list. That is Gladiator. Excellent. I mean, we just talked about it. Yeah, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Think we, I don't think we have to. Just I mean, again, that when I saw this movie and and. I, I, you know, I think about Ebert's review, and I, I just, I love how eclectic the score is. How, you know, you've got Joaquin. I, I don't want to say like going too, too high, but like the performances range. All like, you know, I feel like Jaiman Huntsu is pretty subtle. Russell Crowe, for the most part, is is pretty underplayed. But then you've got your Oliver Oliver Reed's. You have your Walking Phoenixes. Your Richard Harris at the beginning. Yeah, it, it's just. I don't know, man. The
1: behind-the-scenes combination of Yanti Yates doing costumes, uh, Matheson's cinematography, yeah. Arthur Max's production design, and Pietro Scalia's... Uh, editing. Editing, yeah. yeah. That Just that knockout team that Ridley put together to revitalize a genre. The only thing I left out of the episode is the fact that I got to see it with my grandmother in theaters, which is great. It was a really oh, cathartic thing for me. Nice. Was, I believe it was my first R-rated film in, in cinemas, even though in Britain it was rated 15, oh, um, which is kind of like a really hard PG-13 soft <laughs> R sure. for, for you yanks. Um, I mean, she didn't take to it quite like I did, but I part of part of the thing that I love about my love of film is the fact that she shared so many classic films with me, and classic epics, you know, our, our shared love of something like Ben-Hur. Yeah. Is very much rooted in that, so there's there's a there's a a, a, a cathartic feeling that I have about Gladiator. No doubt, no Which, doubt. It, it it would be higher, and that's not to say that I I don't I do obviously it's number nine. I love it. Yeah. And It's not to say that it's a lesser movie than any of the other ones above it. It's just that you know that's where it falls.
0: It's where it falls. Yeah. I I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. So what is your three seven? We're gonna save that chat. Excellent. My number 2 I don't think is on your list. It is The Dark Knight. It's not. Yeah. Dark Knight didn't even enter in my I mind have to be real. Dark Knight wasn't be, in con, even in contention. I that. have to be real with who I am. And I there's you, hey, you do you. I'm going to do me and again, I feel like a pretty between our episode with Liz and our our Nolan ranking, I don't know what else I can I can add to it. I mean, Except for to maybe maybe really just say like I mean I think all of the aspects of the movie I, I, the cinematography is great I think it's edited really well that's probably outside of Heath Ledger that's the best thing
1: about it the cinematography it is as I, I'll reiterate the best looking comic book film ever made it's
0: great and I, the score is fun again Hans Zimmer throw throw a little more love his way I don't know man this this one of my favorite you know theatrical going experiences. You know the hype got built up, and and if a movie gets built up so high, it's it's either gonna beat your expectations, or be like this movie was stupid. Like what's everybody talking about? Yeah. And I I don't know, man. I just I. But ah, I, I will movie. say, I
1: w- it's another one of those films I wish I could have that first viewing back. You know, I went, I had the, I did a half day on that Friday, not to go see the movie, but just because we were slow at work. So I got a half the day off and I went, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll go see the new Batman. And man, I'm so glad that I did. Being in that theater, that brand new AMC uh, down there in, in Tequila at the South Center Mall, being there with that crowd, we were all jiving on the same frequency. And yeah. that happens so rarely. I mean, it hasn't happened at all this That's year because of yeah, with the place that we live. But even before true. that, yeah. I hadn't had ex- an experience like that for a long. Tw- 2008, two thousand two, Sorry, two thousand six, seven, and eight. Great years for movies. Great theatrical experiences when when audiences I think still gave a shit about going to the theater. We had
0: two together in Bruges. In Bruges and um, Grindhouse. Yeah, that that was the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah.
1: man. All jiving on those same sort of having a collective experience—that thing that is missing from our sense of community as human beings—sharing in a theatrical experience together.
0: Yeah, totally. All right,
1: what is your two? My two is Goodfellas. Okay. My number one and number two were locked the second that I started making this list. Sorry, where was Goodfellas on? Oh, sorry, Goodfellas was four. Goodfellas was four. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, dude. It just I don't even know anymore it's like, and that's like, I realize that Raging Bull is is a De Niro vehicle, but I, Jimmy Conway is so great. I I just, and this is a movie, again, I talk about that, and maybe this is the actor, but like everybody's emotional spectrum is so much wider. They get, everybody gets to do so much more in this movie. The highs are higher, the lows are lower. I see more joy at times at that, when clashed with the shitty times, Works so much better. Even in a muted performance like Paul Servino's.
1: Yeah. There is still a huge emotional range and it's it's all about subtext and his eyes and the, the way he delivers dialogue in that film. The fact that he didn't get a best supporting nod, I like, fuck you Academy. God yeah. damn it. How r- you can how can you be so wrong and so right at the same goddamn time? <laughs> Am
0: I giving it to Pesci? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. I'd still go Pesci, gun to my head. I, me too. Probably in, in this circumstance, literally gun to my head, I'd still go Pesci. But yeah. no nod for Sorvino is a fucking shame. Yeah, But what? I mean, great, got
0: great soundtrack, here's, great shot. And here's the
1: thing about that film. It is the crest of a high and beautiful wave in one of the most important filmographies in the history of cinema. Scorsese's career had been leading to that moment And now that we're past it, everything else that he does, we compare to that moment.
0: Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I mean, I know in in a way they gave him his makeup Oscar in 2006 for The Departed, which. But Kevin
1: fucking Costner, are you, I still, we're 30 years after the fact and I still go, what in the
0: actual fuck were you thinking? I don't know. I don't know. We we had a pretty good discussion about even that on the yeah. episode too. Was the dances with we got to and...
1: We have to do at this. We have to do dances with wolves next season. I know it's not an anniversary. Do not commit us to that. I <laughs> we're gonna. I, I'm going to, right here and now. It's on the books. Fuck, Fuck me. We're yeah, doing yeah. dances with wolves. We are dealing with this fucking situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. My number one is seven. Awesome. I love that movie. Yeah, I, and it's it, it was
1: my number four. This the this is the one that I honestly of all the ones that I flip flopped, Easy Rider and Seven. They really had to duke it out. Yeah. I don't know, man. I And Liz even told me, she's like, I think you got it wrong. I think you love Easy Rider more than you love Seven. I went, I don't know, man. My my love for Seven runs a little deeper. I saw Seven first. Now, if I had seen Easy Rider first, it would probably be switched. But because yeah. I saw Seven
0: first. I, I'm, when I look at my top five, I, I really do love all these movies. And I think it's almost, for me, which ones I would rather like. I, like what's easier for me to turn on? And, exactly. And, and what am I putting on right now? Out of those two, I'm probably and, if you and me would be like, hey, do you want to watch Seven or Easy Rider? I'm I'm saying Seven. Yeah. And if I if I had to pick, like, it sounds so weird to say that I want to, I'd, I'd put on Seven before anything else because how fucked up that movie is. But it's because of how well made it is, the thrilling nature, the performances, the score. I, I mean, I again, I I feel like I'm saying this about all these movies in the in the top five, but there isn't anything wrong with 7 i mean the 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 one thing wrong with 7 is in hindsight now because kevin spacey is in it but like you you and like you, well before you, the kevin spacey bullshit the one thing wrong with 7 is that it wasn't fucking long enough
1: which sure. what a problem to have yeah i
0: know i know like how much further you could have gone into this world cuz yeah. you had us you yeah. fucking had us yeah and when we talk about great
1: so- uh, sophomoric efforts like yeah, I mean, that's Fincher and
0: seven has got to be damn near the top but of the like, list as far as great second feature. It's go. so funny, but sophomore, but also, you know, we talk about Tarantino or we talk about um, Aronofsky, we talk about Ridley Scott. It doesn't feel like a director who
1: has discovered himself. It feels like somebody well, so confident in their craft.
0: But, but, but the thing about like, you know, Ridley Scott and Tarantino and, and Aronofsky and, and like Nolan or whoever, like, so their first movies were hits we're talking about a sophomore effort where the first movie was basically panned across the board. And so this is like a, a make it or break it kind of moment too. And fuck me, man, you, you knocked it out of the fucking stratosphere. It feels like a director hanging it all on the
1: line. Like you guys sold me up the river on the first one. Fuck you. Now we're doing this on my terms and I'm not going to give a shit. This is going to go as dark and as hard as I feel it needs to. Yeah, which he does, man. He's fucking swinging for it on seven from from the smallest performance in that film all the way to the tippy top with Brad Pitt and Morgan. Oh,
0: Lela- Leland Orso, right? And Leland Orso. Oh, God. <laughs> he put that on me. Every, yeah, everybody's great. Oh. Yeah. oh man, now and it looks so fucking beautiful. Oh, it really? Does yeah. So it's so funny. Can I? I want to. I want to. I want to do something because I. I'm. 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 I'm harkening back. So I'm looking at our list. You haven't said your one yet. I haven't. And, and do you want to guess my one? I do, but I want to, it was your laugh right at the top of doing this. Is your one the good, the bad, and the ugly? It
1: fucking is. <laughs> it's, it's so funny to me. Your number 20 is my number one. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. It's a, it is a perfect film. I'm not the biggest proponent of Westerns. Sure. It took me a very, very long time to start enjoying Westerns. I mean, it is an oversatur- in a the horror is probably the most oversaturated genre, but Westerns can't be far behind it, especially when you think about the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, where there were so fucking many of them being made. I mean, it was a genre that kept Hollywood afloat there for a while. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. they're they're cheap and easy to make, and we can make up for giant losses with epics like Cleopatra by just knocking out a couple of westerns.
0: Well, and you think about too, just how close they were to the desert. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. To shoot yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, Hollywood was going out there to make films since the beginning of film. Yeah, yeah, it probably it may actually be the oldest film
0: genre. Well, and it's, I know when we did it for the pod, I was ex- again another movie I was excited about because I hadn't ever seen it. Yeah. And, and you went on a spaghetti western. I journey. did, I did. Yeah. I watched the Dollars trilogy. Yeah. Um, and uh, trilogy loosely. Yeah, exactly. Again, something that we. I'm glad we agreed on that. Yeah. It's not. Can a we free. please stop calling it a trilogy? <laughs> Let's stop it. Um, and and the other two are good movies. They're great. But um, yeah, this is. And again, like to say that this is 20 is no insult to it. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I I think the only thing that holds it back is that it is. It's a bit long. Thus, I'm not as inclined to want to watch it again. And that
1: depends on what which version you're watching. I highly recommend if, no, if, you, if you're a fan of this film, even in a fleeting way, get yourself that Kino Lorber Blu-ray of it that has both the theatrical and the, the longer extended version that they put together in the late 90s, early 2000s, whenever that was, and actually color timed it correctly. Not that I have a problem with the last... MGM, I kind of like the yellow in it. And if you believe certain people, that is Leone's, that was his original intention to have it be that sort of hue of yellow over the entire film. Wherever you stand on picture quality, get yourself that Kino Lorba. I got. I actually bought his, his, I bought the Leone. Oh, the five? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That is, a. again, I need to move away from it if you are a serious fan of cinema. I I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, worth every penny. Yeah. And I, I get... Even now I get overwhelmed thinking about it. The ecstasy of gold sequence. Fuck, dude. I it's good. It's I, great. I cry. I honestly cry during during that scene because I'm so overwhelmed by the mastery
0: of that. That's a movie like like a Lawrence of, of Arabia that I like. Yeah. And I think I, I beyond the fact that I can see the craft in it and and how well everything is. That I I don't, want, I don't want to go back and watch it like when it was first released, but those are both movies that I you know I watched on a regular size TV right that I would have preferred my first viewing of both of those movies to be on the big screen yeah um because like that just screams cinema to me yes yeah exactly and it is and, it is the definition of
1: what we think of as cinema and I, and not just, and that doesn't have anything to do with the the scale, everything, every part of it, the performances, the score, the, cinematography. I mean, the fact that these things were like an ama- a European amalgamation of just, this is just shitty cinema that nobody's going to give a shit about. A few people are going to see it, so fuck it. Why not just go for broke with it? They're <laughs> they're made with German money by Italian filmmakers in Spain. I love the sort of camaraderie that comes out of, ah, fuck it, let's just make a movie together.
0: Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, tr- don't take that it's my number 20 as a sign of insult. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, oh, no, it's I not. don't. I don't. You can... The fact that I left off something like Raging Bull, you can take it as an insult if you want to.
1: But. I do, and I do. Okay, I great. take it I take it very personally. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the making of that film, and I take it very personally. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> uh, do we want to just quickly run down our 15s again? I'll, I'll do it. I'll start. Stalker, Third Man, Five Easy Pieces, Stand By Me, Reckoning for a Dream, Raging Bull, Gladiator, Alien, Doctor Strange, Love Apocalypse Now, Life of Brian, and the, and
0: the top four, Easy Rider, Seven, Goodfellas, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Fifteen down here, uh, Being There, The Samurai, Stalker, Cries and Whispers, I, Daniel Blake, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, The Matrix, Dr. Strangelove, North by Northwest, Requiem for a Dream, Back to the Future, and My Top Four, Goodfellas, Gladiator, The Dark Knight, and Seven. That's a respectable list. Yeah, we, we, I, we, I take my hat off to you. I respect and, your list a lot, and you too, sir. Uh, we talked about some good movies on the show, yeah. which is great. It's it was hard. It was it was so easy to make the bottom list, yeah, and so hard to yeah. make this list, which is great. That 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 is the kind of movie ranking problem we should have. Yeah. So You're talking about go. first world problems, right? Yeah. Um. So that's those are our lists. Um. So we're going to do one more thing before we sort of kind of give our little our farewell and, 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 and sort of preview of season three kind of. Um, and this was your idea. So I would like you to kind of explain it a little bit.
1: Well, and I think I should probably go first anyway, because mine's a little bleak. I anyway, know this stems from a fucking dream. I had a, I've been having crazy dreams over the last two weeks. I can't explain it. But I had a dream about The Untouchables. The Untouchables was so firmly rooted in my... I was like, I was living the movie. And I love that film. There's another film that I grew up with. It's a once a year thing for me. It's, it's got all the things that I love about film in it. A big, crazy, great score from Morricone. Yeah, Like a score, again, we talk about Derm. swinging for the fences. That's good. Yep. Great Connery performance, the vindication him finally getting his award. And I'm a sucker for noirs, and especially that Prohibition period of America. I'm fascinated by that. I really do need to do the Ken Burns Prohibition documentary. Sure. But I had a dream about it. and I was like, fuck, that should be in the book. And I texted you before I've... Untouchables is in the book. Yes. But it still stemmed the idea, well, hey, let's finish the episode with a two-minute case for a film that isn't in the book that we think should be. And so if you're okay, I'll go first, because mine is really, really bleak. Okay. Uh, a film that I think should be in the book that isn't Gary Oldman's directorial debut, Nil by Mouth, from uh, 1997. It's a, just a kind of slice of life look at uh, a fucked up family dynamic in a very a very bleak view of London. Um, Ray Winston is the lead in it and he was at a point in his career where he was kind of ready to give up and this is the film that sort of spawned the Ray Winston that we know and love today he'd been working since the late 70s he had a bit of a, a splash with uh, an Alan Clark film which this film is very much inspired by Alan Clark films we talked a little bit about him on Elephant because he made the film that inspired Gus oh, Van Sant yes Uh, And this film was also, I would say, hugely influenced by Ken Loach as well. Not that I've ever heard Gary Oldman talk about Ken Loach in connection to this film, but I do have to, the improvisational sort of nature of it, the working class, everyday lives kind of aspect of it very much feels like a Ken Loach film. But Ray Winston plays a character, a performance much like Raging Bull, right on the ragged edge, and there's almost nothing redeemable about him. He's in a relationship with uh, Kathy Burke. Who in Britain is probably known a little bit more for her comedy than she is her dramatic roles over here? She's probably known for having a small role in Tinker, Tailor, you know, the older woman talking about how she loves all her boys. She was there at the circus. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably known. She's as uh, she's married Queen of Scots in uh, Elizabeth as well. The film with Kate Blanchett. Um. They are in a very fucked up couple dynamic. She's pregnant um there is some trigger warning for people who are going to watch this film there is quite a bit of domestic abuse in the film so i will warn you about that and it's very very tough to watch it is a monster performance from waywinston and the dialogue in it is just very realistic i mentioned it actually in passing on our goodfellas episode i was gonna say you just yeah yeah because it is on the list of the films with the most users of fuck in it uh also a healthy <laughs> I shouldn't use the word healthy, but an extreme number of the uses of the word cunt as well. Um, but a great supporting cast, Jamie Foreman, who you probably know from a few British films like Layer Cake and Gangster Number 1. You've got Charlie Creed Miles, who was uh, Ian Holmes' assistant in The Fifth Elements. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's, he's uh, one of the leads in the film as well. We've got Steve Sweeney, who some people will know from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And uh, Gary Oldman actually cast his sister in, the role, in, a, in a role in the film as well, uh, Layla Morse. She was a, born Maureen Oldman, but she goes by Layla Morse. Very famous for being in the British soap opera EastEnders. But as far as, like I, I keep using the word bleak, but I mean there are scenes in this film which will really challenge you. In the same way that I think uh, Train Spotting is a very challenging film, in the fact, that you see realistic drug use in it. Uh, there's a moment where a mother just has to give in to her son who is just hurting so bad for heroin. She takes him and she kind of helps him buy it and then watches him shoot up. And this, there's it's all this kind of like enabling that happens in the film as well. It's got a great soundtrack, um, a lot of heartbreak and and betrayal and disillusionment that runs through the film i mean gary oldman talks about it being a uh uh sort of inspired by the way that he grew up in london which man if your life was even one tenth of this i feel feel terrible for you um but i i i don't know where i don't think it's streaming anywhere i've got an old uh, region two dvd copy of it but as far as uh, making a case for a film that i think is must see sort of entertainment i mean if you need any kind of awards information to sway you one way or the other. Kathy Burke won best actress at Cannes that year, which they had to she didn't have a passport so they had to fly her out on a private jet to get her there to receive her award. It did really well at the Baftas, uh nominated for actor and actress which it unfortunately lost, but it did win original screenplay and best British film. I mean as far as actors making the transition from being in front of the cameras to behind it, I think this is a shining example of that.
0: Yeah well i'll have to check it out i um yeah i'm not quite familiar with gary oldman as a director and the the ending is going to
1: really challenge you in a way that the ending of gone baby gone challenges you it's probably not the ending that a lot that a lot of people want but it is a very true to life um ending as far as these these films with domestic violence are are concerned and having witnessed some domestic violence firsthand i can tell you that it's it's not an easy watch for me but it's a it's a it's a film that I think is necessary.
0: Well, mine's kind of bleak too. And I wish I was a little more inventive with it. But, um, if you listened to our bonus episode where we discussed the changes in the book, the last one that I mentioned, because it hurt the most that got taken out was Magnolia. Um, I was wondering if you were going to make a case for something that needs to go back into the, yeah, yeah, I really, and I, I don't, I don't know what to say this is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And I mean, talk about, a you know,
1: you've got your choice of so many great movies in a, in a career I know. That
0: relatively isn't that long. Yeah. It's, and it's, um, it's a sprawling story of interconnectedness in, in Los Angeles. Um, one of the best ensemble casts ever put together. Um, it's a movie that deals with a, with a lot of different subjects. Um, domestic abuse and and um, uh, abandonment and love and drugs and... In a removed way, molestation. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny. A movie this big and this sprawling, it could be really hard to connect to its characters, but I think because of the blank check that uh, PTA got after the success of Boogie Nights, he was able to make this movie the way he wanted to. And I know the original cut was even longer. Um, Orlando Jones as a part in the movie that is completely cut out. Um, but I mean, if, if you, if you, if you make it to the movie and, um, you get to the part where they all sing, um, wise up, there's a moment in the movie where everybody sings along to this song. If you don't, if you don't buy it there, and and that's already a fair amount of way into the movie, but you could just turn it off. Um, for me, I thought that was revelatory. Um, I find that I think it's one of the most profound moments in a movie to only then be followed up by another profound moment with with Tom Cruise and Jason Robards. Um I don't I don't really know what to say about this movie other than I think it's phenomenal. And I think you'll see so many people in this movie giving some of the best performances of their careers. Um 90- John, John C. Riley, Philip Seymour Hoffman,
1: Cruise. Philip Baker Hall.
0: Yeah, William H. Macy. Philip Baker Hall is really good in it oh. um yeah i i yeah julianne Moore. yeah don't you fucking call me lady yeah oh my god yes so i don't i don't know what to say uh i i wanted to i wanted to i kind of was thinking about going a route of like a movie that maybe was uh, maybe not heard of a lot maybe got like a, a, a really underappreciated movie but in my heart of hearts it hurt too well, much. You knew you could lean on me for that. Of course I'm gonna go up to and well, British. Know, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You <laughs> might because with a stem from the untouchable. So like maybe yeah. I don't know. But uh yeah, it mine's magnolia, easily. Oh uh, yeah. Man, it's
1: it earns it earns that wise up moment. It earns every minute of its three hour runtime. And I'm glad you highlighted Tom Cruise specifically because that is that is the performance of his career.
0: Ah, it's he's so good.
1: He's yeah, so it's good. beautiful and breathtaking. The hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I think about that scene. I'm not going to cry for you. Yeah. Fuck, it devastates
0: me. It's devastating me now. I'm feeling myself fucking welling up. <laughs> so there we go. So there, So those are those are two movies that we think have really strong cases of being in the book. Um, so that's that's it. That's kind of everything that's, that's on our list. That's
1: episode 100. Man.
0: So uh, obviously, thank you. Uh, we've been doing this for a little over two years now. And we're you know we're two friends from high school who connected episode, over
1: film. Episode one actually
0: dropped on my birthday on 2018. <laughs> um, and uh, so so we we are truly thankful for your your listenership and support. Um, this is where I'll mention Patreon again that we do have a Patreon site. Um, Though there, there will be some retooling of it. I think <laughs> I think we had lofty hopes. Yep. When we first put it up there.
1: And we are still living in pandemic times. Uh, this is, it's, it's really, it's a tough time to want to go out and be self-promotive, you know, in a, in a sort of Patreon kind of way, yeah. you know, we, there are more important things obviously to spend your money on exactly. and to save your money at this time. But if yeah. you do want to support the show, w- we would appreciate it. That option is, is open to you through yeah. our Patreon.
0: I want us, I think what we'll do is we'll. I wanna I wanna drop some of the prices on some of the other things yeah. and get yeah. some make people more involved if they wanna yeah. wanna do that because
1: we want that we we want to interact with you I love interacting with the people that I interact with on Twitter there's there's Kieran with his Best Pictures Pod, I really great deep dives that they do on their show we met and I mean I, we Mike, met Mike Mike is such a huge yeah, yeah such a huge uh, support and we love his show too Brian. Uh, God, I'm, I know him for uh, Ryan Zepp Yeah, out in Baltimore, man. Yep. Uh, we appreciate your support and yeah. recommending a couple of great movies with Senna and uh, Bad Lieutenant, of Call, New Orleans. I, that was not a good movie. Oh come on, <laughs> Senna was great. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, so one. keep keep all the recommends coming. We love we love the interaction. We do it. We not a, we don't just do it for us. I mean, I've I've said multiple times that even if we had no support, I'd do it anyway. But, exactly. But yeah. you know, interacting with all the people that we've met and interact with is such a huge huge bonus and I, I love doing it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't
0: have a Twitter otherwise (laughs) because honestly fuck Twitter. Um, so yeah, so wait, any, any way that you can support would be great. Even if it's just liking us, following us, listening, you know, like, and when we, you know, when we put out a message, like let us know what you think. We're not, we're not asking the question just Yeah. Yeah. We want to hear what you think. Um, so, so that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for 2020. Um, couple of bonuses coming at you yes, before yes. So, we move into season three proper. Yes. You can expect a Halloween-themed episode soon, and then uh, a Christmas episode before the end of the year, and then we'll come in hot in 2021. Yeah. Uh, some
1: Sometime in January, we haven't set it in stone, but yeah. be, we are going to open the season big. Yes. We got a couple of big episodes planned right at the
0: start, and yep. if you're a fan of animation, then we've got your back. Yep. We, and we've teased some of our rankings for the year. Uh, one, not such a tease, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is great, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know... it's,
1: it's Sophia Coppola.
0: Ah, you dick. Um, so yeah, so we got some of those planned. I know we've talked about a few anniversaries. We both have some movies that we've been throwing back and forth uh, that would be fun to talk about. Yep. Um, uh, it's going to be
1: the 40th anniversary of Daz Boots. Maybe that one's coming at you. <laughs> it's going
0: to be the. Uh, the 70th anniversary of a Tennessee Williams play that was turned into a film there you go um which has a very famous line that is maybe just happens to be my oldest daughter's name I don't know just yep. throwing it out there yeah um and yeah and I I know one thing that I'll 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 tease cuz I will i will tease because i do not think I don't know we've said on it but we might discuss a director uh once and only just to kind of get it out of the way uh so we you know we're we're going to we're going to tackle movies we like maybe some ones that we don't some troubling things but again this is by furthering our film education, we're wanting to help further your film education. So that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. So uh, please stick around, uh, uh, you know, a week or so for our Halloween episode. Uh, but until then, I'm Adam and I am Ian, and uh, we'll see you soon.
1: So we're gonna go crack a big bottle of champagne.